is Richard Wilson speaking. Um, there's some people who know me as Victor Meldrew, but as far as I'm concerned, Victor Meldrew's dead. Uh, thank you for downloading One Foot in the Podcast. JD Collins. There he is. Mike. Hello, how are you? JD, how are you, mate? How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. The man behind the resurgence of 2.4 children, eh? On the podcast. And, and you with one foot in the grave. Do you know, someone said on Instagram, say it's like a crossover between the pods. It is a big crossover, yeah. The two great sitcoms of the 90s, you know, meeting head to head. Oh, God. So I've got yes. a makeshift microphone holder here. So ah, I no might be holding it. Some, it's on its... I say it's on its last legs. It's got no legs because it, it was a tripod and all three legs have dismantled um, right. by themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, buy cheap, buy twice is what my mum used to tell me. So I another. Like but I'm so close to the end of the podcast that, you know, I'm not saying I won't do any more podcasts because I, I certainly will, but I won't be using it regularly. So I'm just trying to stick this one out for as long as it will last. It still records. So, yeah, yeah. you want to... that makes sense. This is your foot because I feel like you've been on... Uh, one foot in the pod before, but I've been on your podcast a couple of times. This is your yes. debut, isn't it? It is my debut, yeah. Hello and welcome to episode five of series six of One Foot in the Grave, of One Foot in the Podcast, should I say. Uh, talking about reviewing, sorry, should I say The Dawn of Man, we're at the penultimate episode. We're near to the end now, it's sad times, but... On the flip side, I've got JD Collins of Don't Slam Your Podcast, the 2.4 Children Deep Dive Rewatch Podcast. Hello, JD. I don't believe it. Hello, Tom. You've been working on that, haven't you? For 10 years, I've been working on that. That's marvellous. That's a very, it's a great impression. And, Thank you. Uh, it's a one foot in the grave, 2.4 children dance off in many ways, except for we're not slagging off each other's comedies. We're both excellent comedies. You host the Don't Slam Me Podcast podcast as we all know 2.4 children ran side by side with one foot in the grave see both writers marshall and renwick close friends worked together on previous projects but both comedies have that kind of surreal surrealism yeah. but at the same time being quite different you know you got the, the yeah. fact the fact is one has mostly got two maybe three characters at any one time and the other one is a family sitcom with the kids involved and it's all a bit hectic as well. So what's it like to be on a podcast where you're not actually having to host it and you can just kick back and just chill? This is my second time, actually, oh, being, a, being a guest. I was a guest on a podcast called A Ham... It was called A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife. It's a Doctor Who one with a guy called Joe who's going to be on the Don't Slam Me podcast for Series 7. And that was, a di- that was very different, actually, because it was a commentary. So we would watch two Doctor Who episodes and discuss them while they were on. So we were having the Zoom call like we're having now, and then he would put an extra screen on so we would watch a Doctor Who episode together and then talk about mm-hmm. it over the episode. So this is tack- that was quite um that was actually quite not stressful. I find it more relaxing than I thought, but this is more relaxing because we just I've watched it, I've got the notes, and I can just we can have a free-for-all chat. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I'd find it hard to multitask that. Well, it's it's not just watching an episode and discussing it. You're you doing it all over Zoom. If it was in person, that'd be different. The origins of the podcast I used to be a part of, we used to just, you know, meet up every four or five weeks, have a takeaway, 
put only fools and horses on have a chat about it but not in in detail just it's on in the background and then one day we decided to record it and uh sort of put the volume right down and talk through scene by scene and um that seemed slightly not it wasn't difficult it was just you talk over one another you got the volume on a little bit on the, on the um tv but doing it over zoom as well i mean it's hard to read when someone's about to speak it's, it's, it's it like that <laughs> it's hard to like it's like no i mean i do it for, forever doing it it's it's one of those it's understandable because you know we're not there in person are we to do this podcast unfortunately yeah and it went it worked well i mean it's been going it's a very good podcast has been running for about a year i think quite a long time um Ooh. and so that was quite uh, it was good to be a part of something um, like today, something that's been running a long time and, and yeah. has, has a name for itself. So, but yeah, at, at the editing, not having to do the editing is the best part. <laughs> do, do you enjoy my... it? You don't enjoy the editing or you do? Oh no, not at all. No. It's a yeah. drag. <laughs> it is a drag. I think, I don't think as I like to get the editing done straight away, but I now space it out. So when yeah. I'm listening to myself back with a guest, it's a bit more refreshing because yeah, I used to just record and go straight into editing. And I think, oh God, I just, I'm listening to myself back over again. I've just come off that call. But yeah, I do I do space it out now. So um, on all things one foot then, and, and it, what are your initial thoughts on Dawn of Man? It's my favourite of Series 6. I, I do have, I've had a very kind of mixed love with Series 6 over the years. I, I never used to like it as much as the others, um, but over the time I've preferred it. Uh, yeah. But Dawn of Man's always been the consistent favourite one. I think it's a really classic one foot story in terms of all the ingredients are there. It's a great penultimate episode to the series. Yeah. And yeah, it just has everything that I would want from it. Some sad moments, some bit bizarre moments, and just yeah. the way that Victor Meldry's life kind of culminates into chaos constantly. is just wonderful. It's, uh, I think it's many people's favourite of the series six. I mean, the final episode is amazing, but it's also really sad. But it's not—it's not cool, is it, to put the finale of any any episode of any series as your favorite? I, I feel like that's sort of a, an unwritten rule. Don't put a finale of anything as your favorite. It's like Fools and Horses, Time on Our Hands. That's like it's an amazing episode, but you know, it seems a waste to say that's the best. Uh, but you know, in this episode, Dawn of Man, you've got well, you meet a relative of Patrick's, some great visual pranks. I think one of the biggest cockups ever by Victor arguably one of the biggest and obviously there's that incredible BAFTA worthy scene BAFTA winning worthy scene by Owen Brennan and Annette Crosby and I think this episode was actually put forward for a BAFTA it sure I read, was I read, did you read that in the bible in the Richard Webber book I yeah. certainly did it's my favorite book but out of like tv behind the scenes it's just so comprehensive and it's got enough stories it's got enough detail but it's got a bit of drama as well which i quite yeah. like it's that yeah. balance of being interesting which i yeah. think is really good I, i'm going to miss referring to that um that little cookie there because it's been um my go-to reference for all sorts i've got a story about my i've got some a quite interesting story about one foot being in my life from almost the beginning okay so I, I watched it when I was 17. I, that's when I discovered it. But it's one of those shows you know about. It's, it's Victor Meldrew's kind of famous. I don't believe it. It's, a, it's, it's something. It's one of those pop culture sort of names that you know. Yeah. I, want, I knew how it ended before I ever saw it because it's a famous ending. But I was actually born the night Hole in the Sky was first broadcast. Oh, really? With the, with the McKendry brothers. Series five. Okay. That's, yeah. that's the, the night that aired. J.D. Collins was brought into this world. 
And funnily enough, it's weird calling it it's called Hole in the Sky because my parents remember in the hospital a TV was wheeled in and the show Pie in the Sky was on, which was a uh, detective series Richard, with Richard Griffiths. Richard Griffiths, yeah. 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 And I just found it weird. Hole in the sky, pie in the sky. It's just a bit of a Yeah, it's, it's close, isn't it? Very close. Yeah. I was going to, I just say, I was born an hour later. So it was on at nine, five past nine and I was born at 10.22. Ah, it's like you did fall from the sky, from the heavens in a spiritual sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, glad you're here today to discuss the dawn of man. Should we get down to it? Let's go for it. So a little synopsis then. I, I Again, I, I create the vast majority, I say create, I, I type these synopsises up myself because um, I find a lot of the ones on, online are a little bit, they're either too detailed or too brief. And I think the one I've written is actually probably too detailed. But here we go. Victor's latest hobby attracts stress and anxiety. Mr. Swain is apparently moving on to pastors new as he's made aware of a more successful doppelganger, which brings him back down to earth from his usual happy-go-lucky nature. Patrick and his brother cause unwanted distress to Pippa as Patrick himself brings on considerable distress to himself. And a mix-up at the local newsagents causes the biggest stress of them all onto the Mildrews. That was very, very wordy. It's <clears throat> um, good, though. That was I'll about... Yeah, I like that. It was pretty good. <laughs> the opening scene is a little unusual. I don't recall... Was there a... Yes, there was an opening credit. So with the episode title appearing on the screen the first shot of it is like a hazy scenic river in the foreground countryside in the back with off the distance glimpse well, it's was quite a glimpse of the moon i think it's sort of um, almost dawn isn't it and there's a different yeah. shots of again picturesque scenes uh, amongst the deep green of the countryside still very hazy and there's one there's like a shot of like a sty in the foreground of a field overlooking some cows and it's all very peaceful you know english british village church remind me of monica the glen a little bit in terms yeah. of the 16.9 ratio yeah it, definitely the location scenes and i noticed this actually in the um early noughties one only fools and horses trilogy though the, it's a, it's similar um camera types that they use for the mm. location shooting that makes it look like a drama. So, like, if you look at something like Jonathan Creek, when you look at the early, the first series, that was 4.3 ratio. When you see it move to 16.9, you can definitely see a change in the location shooting. And it almost looks like the same with the location shooting of these sitcoms. Yeah, that's very true. And I think that's what makes Series 6 a bit different. Discussed it time and time again. The picture quality is that much sharper. And it's sort of pretty created for widescreen TVs from there on out. Um, but yeah, beautiful opening shots, you know, we're, we're sort of put in a false sense of security. I don't know, like it's what could possibly happen with these opening scenes, very, very tranquil and pleasant looking scenery until we see, until until we see a fallen tree, of course. (laughs) On a man, the the police aware sign makes me laugh. Yeah. Right. Alongside the, uh, (laughs) the, the fallen tree with a balding man sort of underneath face down. And it's on like that. An A4 sheet of paper is like stuck to the bark of the tree. Yeah, police aware. It's like well. they knew it was there and they had to, and they've not done anything about it, and there's been an accident. Yeah, I mean, are police really aware? If, if they are aware, that's just woeful work by the police. And if they're not aware, it's just some prankster saying, don't worry about this guy. You don't need to call the cops because all the, you know, the ambulance service because they're aware, leaving him just yeah. to die. We just had a, a minute or, or so worth of, oh, that's a lovely scene. That's lovely. And then you see that guy underneath the tree. So and then we see 
like a nice, nice shot of a long view of, like a, of a river, very spring-like imagery with Victor in the foreground of the shot, set up like his fishing equipment. It looks like he's got another another hobby um, under his belt. He's gone through many hobbies in the series. Sitting down and undoing his lid uh, of his flask quite smoothly, I might add. He's very, very, very sort of, I don't know, like if, you, if you're into your ASMR stuff on YouTube, Victor opening his uh, flask lid was quite a relaxing thing to watch just for those few seconds. And uh, obviously going fishing, I don't think he's going to find a nice piece of gurnet in that in that river as he. Oh, uh, got thrown in a couple of minutes as well. Oh yeah, but he has somewhat dabbled in the world of fishing before, or fish, let's say, by way of cooking. I think in it, it was actually in Hole in the Sky when he, he stank the whole street out with his spaghetti mongole. Yeah. Um, but Victor, the ever the face touching sort of fiddler, and he so if you pardon the expression, the sort of thing has got. In trouble before, I think. In um, oh, was it uh, Hearts of Darkness? The eyes when he's got the um, the, the eye drops and he just blinks around and looks like he's a bit staring at someone and, and blinking at them in a weird way. Yeah, he's sort of like tapping his nose. I think he's got nasal congestion problems, presumably. Well, what I thought was he there's a moment where he's sort of taking a deep breath when he's by the pond, and you can tell it's very much a nature smell. But I then thought some because there was this, I heard at one point a fly, and I just wondered if something went up his nose. <laughs> Or something, or so, maybe not necessarily a fly, but something like pollen or something. And it just got a bit congested. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's probably full of pollen poisoning out there, and it, you know, yeah. I, I sometimes suffer with it. Certainly, last year, where mm. you know, in where some people were, you know, suffering with COVID, or many people probably were. I was suffering with hay fever, like I've never had it before. It really? was just I- absolutely savage. I don't know about three or four bouts of it over three months and they last it last about a week at a time just sneezing constantly and i mean constantly sort of 30 to 40 times in a day um absolutely yeah. knocked me out i've had it since i was 10 I had it every oh. year since i was 10 and this year was bad this year was particularly bad i literally felt like my whole face was congested because I, I get i get the sneezing i get the runny nose I get the runny eyes itchy mm. ears itchy back in my throat it just everywhere i just felt like my head was covered it was, was filled to the brim with pollen it was horrible this you year. feel like a, you're a bottle of fizz and someone's shaking you <laughs> yes that's how that's, it that's is a very good description fizzy head anyway so yeah he's he's sitting down ready to do a bit of fishing as he sits down goes to slurp his teeth he's distracted by like an, like an estate car it's pulled up where this bloke gets out and he begins littering it's the worst thing you can do in front of victor maldrew um this isn't any ordinary litter though it's like he chucks like an old-fashioned sort of box TV, even for the t- year 2000, that's like an old TV then, um, a bin bin bag full of stuff I didn't quite know, and then in the absurd matter of throwing in a uh, dead swan. What is the obsession with dead swans? Because I I, 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 I see I, I, there's an area in Manchester called Castlefield, which is where a canal area, and I saw a dead, I did two, two said dead swans there once. No, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's dead swans are featured in other sitcoms probably, but... yeah. Yeah, that was that looked like a real prop, like a real like a taxidermy or not taxidermy, but it just looked very real, didn't it? So presumably oh, yeah. a freshly killed, oh, not freshly killed swan, but already dead, and they just used it. But that looked quite real to me. But it definitely did, and I feel for the prop department they had to make one of those. <laughs> uh, so the thing about this one is, yeah, the mystery as to why he has one in his boot. Why is it there? Maybe we'll find out a little bit later. And Victor quite rightly flabbergasted. They, well, 
he's not, I'm sorry, I'm flabbergasted that he didn't actually call him out for it until he drives off. I think he's that gobsmacked. He stands up from his seat and he goes, oh, you. But he's already driven off by then. I always think some people out there, they want to stand up to what's right, but they, you might wait till that person's out of reach until you actually say something. But Victor's not afraid to stand up for his beliefs. I just think he was that dumbfounded that he didn't really get a chance to call him out on it, you know, yeah. there and then. But of course, he will in a moment because we're at the pub. Uh, and I'm going to call him Mr. Hooligan. Uh, who was he played by? Uh, Nicholas Frost. That's what I looked yeah. him up. I found he was in Pie in the Sky two weeks after that episode. Oh, uh, right. Okay. I was going to say, yeah. I don't really see him that he's appeared much else, really. Wow. Nothing major since one foot. So at the, this pub, this, this guy, this hooligan, litterer, he's um, yeah, smoking a cigarette and he's reading a local rag. And we, we see what kind of personality he probably is with the, with the bird's eye view of his like left hand that would usually or traditionally say like H-A-T-E hate and it actually reads Anna and you think oh well someone's right hand and it's you know Kornikova which um, I was around at the time where Anna Kornikova is quite you know big tennis star with with the greatest respect probably known for her model modeling work over her tennis um, playing abilities she's a very beautiful lady I haven't seen anything of her for years but it's just how he's, they've managed to fit Kornikova on five knuckles or four, right, five knuckles. I don't know if it's just his thumb had it on or not. He had like um, you are on, on, he had like, you put two letters onto his fingers. Mm. And, and I read, I read somewhere, because <laughs> I had to Google her. That was one reference I didn't know. She was the most searched name on Google images for about 2001, 2002. Not surprised. Not surprised. Is, yeah. 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 He, he's, she was 19 at the time this episode was shown as well, I think. Oh, you've done your homework there, haven't you? <laughs> I literally did not know her at all. I was, I was complete. That was one reference. I was completely. Oh, she so hadn't heard of Cornacover at the time. Okay, no. yeah. I was, I was only five when this episode were, was shown, yeah. so I didn't know. Yeah. I don't know tennis players now, except Andy Murray. I think she was married to Ricky Martin before Ricky he came Martin. before he came out. Well, I could be wrong. Or was it Ricky Martin? Or was it? Oh, Julio? No, Enrique. Oh, what's his name? Spanish pop star. Julio, Julio Iglesias. Really? That's Enrique's dad, I think. Enrique Iglesias. Oh, yeah, it was an Enrique Iglesias, wasn't it? Enrique oh, was the is the son. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, she was, she was, I don't know if she's still with him. I thought I'd say Ricky Martin. So I know Ricky Martin did come out, didn't he? But I'm yeah. sure he was was oh, at one point or other wasn't. I don't know. But I think that's to me, that's Renwick having a little joy, but a certain working class man who would have that sort of thing as a tattoo yeah you know so but yeah like anyway it is played by nicholas frost like i said hasn't really been anything in since but victor pulls up in his uh, car he's like on a mission this is, this is very much like dramatic fever when the builder litters but he throws his kebab on the floor and victor confronts him and then comes back with a big sack of garbage and puts it in the wrong sports car yeah, he hasn't really learned his lesson in that regard. Uh, and this 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 bloke, this hooligan's handed the the worst looking roast dinner I've ever seen. Um, horrible. I uh, certainly got a courgette on it, about three boiled potatoes, some kind of meat. It's horrible. I think it's, it's beef or something or lamb. It doesn't look very appetizing at all. Really bad. And Victor, the, he sort of comes up with a diversion tactic to this guy querying if the man owns a Berger estate as the front fog lamp seems to be on, which he immediately leaves to tend to this. And Victor pours a tub of live maggots. 
onto that world's worst dinner. I think it made it better. I think those those uh, maggots. I hate maggots. They they're creepy and horrible. This, I mean, just to like analyze that roast: courgettes, dried carrot slices, new potatoes, not roast potatoes. Some kind of like turd sliced in two. I don't think it could be a sausage. It could be a bit of stuff in that shape, really weirdly. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, a slice of beak. Oh, horrible. I mean, it's just, I don't know if that's done on purpose or, again, if, everything that Renwick seems to write is, 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 is channeling his sort of thoughts and energies onto the world. And maybe he thinks certain roast dinners at pubs are horrible. But yeah, guys, yeah, overanalyzing this as ever. So, I agree. yeah. But yeah, I think, I think uh, Victor as ever just can't let it go. But then again, I think it's fair treatment. This guy has littered the uh, peaceful-looking lake, river, and Victor's getting revenge on behalf of Mother Nature. That's what he always does, isn't it? It's, it's just him having exacting revenge for someone that can't... Be, that for the, I say the world yeah. won't yeah. punish that man, so Victor decides to do it himself. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if the fishing setup was there purely... So it makes it it's perfectly understandable why he's carrying maggots on him. Uh, I don't know, but there is a little joke later with fish with it with his, what he brings back. So we'll get onto that in a minute. So. Well, about Renwick's writing is when there's always something to it. There's always everything has a reason. Everything, nothing appears. Everything is 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 um, constructed in a way to make it flow and to go from one set piece to another. Yeah, and. But it's all within characters because so Victor, we know, is always doing something new, trying a new hobby, trying a new job. And so it's not out of character for him yeah. to be fishing. No, no. Yeah. And he needs hobbies as Victor. And this is, I would say that if he, if he kept stuck to a hobby, he wouldn't have time to fight the world. No. But even though he's doing this hobby, he's still got time to confront this chap, you know, in, albeit in a tactical way. In another way, though, it's it seems like whatever he does, there's always something that comes around. Yeah, yeah. he's always he's always finding himself in situations with people or circumstances where he has to react. If if everything was peaceful, if he was just having a peaceful time by the river fishing, it probably would have been fine because mm. he's also on litter. He's like, right, got yeah. back up and instantly carried on doing yeah, his yeah. thing. Yeah. I think I think most people would confront someone if they saw him chuck that sort of thing in their plastic bag of crap and a. I don't know about a dead swan because <laughs> that does, I don't feel like that's polluting anything. It's just distasteful and a bit cruel, even though the swan's not alive. But the yeah. garbage and the TV, I think most people say something. Um, yeah. I was walking along a side of like a canal path today with a couple of friends, and there's a lot to be said about. Um, I don't, it's nothing to do with canal boats, obviously, in this, this, this episode, but some people on, on, in, who I don't know, live on a canal, use a, a narrow boat. Sorry, they're such Nazis. I think uh, there's this lady was approaching clearly a family who'd never really used one before, and she was saying, "You need to be on the right hand side." And she kept shouting that over and over again. And this family have got you know young children, and she just wouldn't shut up. And as we were walking further and further away, she became louder. Like she, we could hear her. She must have been raising her voice that much and just getting so irate. Plenty of space for both. I'm sure there's a certain etiquette of how you drive a, a boat, a narrow boat, but oh, it's just like, shut up, woman. Like, it's more to life, you know. That sounds like a Victor kind of moment because, in a way, that that's someone who wants to, that's someone who likes drama. That's mm. probably one of, I'll, I'll mention a, Victor, a Mel Drummond now. That's people who like drama. Yeah. And like to be 
you know, mighty high and, and talk down to people is something I can't stand. No, horrible. But on to the next scene, we're, we're outside of the trenches place. I think, I don't, can't recall if we've ever seen an external shot of their new house before. Certainly, we saw it when they moved in Wisdom of the Witch. I think it may be in Starbound when they're decorating like inside, but... Executioner song as well. well. Did we see the outside then? Oh, the outside. I think we do. Oh, no, we don't, actually. I just don't remember. Uh, yeah. But Pippa struggles to open up their garage door, and as she gives up with the garage door, she heads back indoors where we briefly hear an overdub of Patrick apparently moaning to someone on the telephone, to which we then see him in his living room speaking to a Mr. Skimpot. Another Renwick name. And it sounds like whoever he's complaining to has like the audacity to rhetorically ask, what side of the bed did he get out this morning as he's dealing with Patrick's complaint? I mean, customer services in the early 2000s, I imagine there's all sorts of back chat from the call agent. I don't think they had um, everything recorded for training and verification purposes <laughs> yeah. back then, did they? <laughs> no, definitely not. I, I worked in a call centre in 2004 and they definitely did then, but that was 2004, four years later. Mm. He's complaining about this garage door, which is obviously jamming apparently the seventh time patrick's sardonic tone is as strong as ever and as bmw rather short-sightedly failed to include a limbo dancing option on the new 300 series i'm keen to learn how you expect me to get the car on the road he's got beamer then is he i mean he's doing all right and he's definitely turning into victor more and more when he says you know if one if what by one of our two serviced engineers you're referring to the young child with the hair full of glue spent three hours here yesterday wobbling around on the top of a ladder presumably in an attempt to, to make his testicles drop i mean he is just turning into victor it's like an um executioner song when he looks himself in the mirror and he morphs into yeah his face it's, it's just yeah, yeah he's becoming him yeah. yeah he has reached full victor stage and like yeah. i said yeah pippa, pippa pointed that out previously and uh, yeah, and especially complaining to a builder. I mean, Victor's been complaining to builders and workmen throughout the series, um, apart from the McKendricks, of course. Although he might have, Simon, who I um, met with recently, he reckons after Hole in the Sky, he would probably have been fed up with the McKendricks by then because the bag of um, plaster. plaster oh, yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was plaster, wasn't it, that they went all over him so maybe he would have something to say to those to the workmen but he was generally friendly with the McKendricks wasn't he laughing at their pranks yeah it was stuff. Margaret who was more annoyed with them because she just didn't get the humour of one of them yeah Pippa does look quite drained and totally bored of Patrick's churlish ways and that's not the only it's not the only thing she's looking on in amusement because there's another chap in the same scene who looks looks to be a similar age to Patrick on the phone is on this mobile and he's uh, complaining to a Mr. Gorridge, uh, something that is chafing my hide, he says. And I, I think he's, um, yeah, he's purchased a, I think it was a present for Patrick, was it? Maybe from Patrick's birthday from the first episode of Majestic 2000 Globe. And while a world with two Europes and no Australia may have obvious cultural advantages, I'm afraid it doesn't quite square with the theory of continental drift. Quite a big deal. I think this is Jeffrey Perkins. So he's the former head of comedy at the BBC. Yeah, and uh, he was mentioned by Mike Fenton Stevens when I spoke to him. And Mike Fenton Stevens was Alan Perkins in the unlucky the unlucky winner is episode Fools and Horses, but they chose Perkins to name as named after Jeffrey purely because I think Mike Fenton Stevens was quite on good talk in terms of him. So they just thought, oh, he's you know Mike, you know he's friends with that with Alan Perkins. But yeah, he's I mean Jeffrey Perkins has done quite a lot really. I mean, he's helped. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, should I say? I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Smith and Jones, Harry Enfield, loads, quite a few cameo, cameo roles. Father Ted, he's done loads of stuff. Benadorm, big train game on, loads of stuff from the 90s. So I think he probably 
he's probably really wanted to get involved with one foot in this sense rather than just being in the background making sure it was produced and stuff it's um quite good to see him it's not a bad little yeah. not a bad little performance really quite dry like it's very, uh, very patrick in that respect you can believe they're twins because they yes. look similar ish to a certain i mean i know later on there's that there's a bit of confusion about appearance and identity but yeah. they do in a way have that kind of demeanor about them they're very similar height Ooh. i think I, ch- I had a look and i think they're around they were born around the same year him and angus deaton well um, sadly he in died in t- 2008 didn't he 55 yeah. very young. i remember hearing about that and it was really quite tragic circumstances what happened i i uh didn't hit i don't remember it but i obviously read up on how he died and i was it was sort of a mixed messages like heart disease but also on the back end of an accident he had yeah a, a lorry yeah. Another one foot jinx. You know, I tend to read up on these um actors who if you know they're not necessarily old and they passed away at a relatively young age. And as we record this, Sean Locke died yesterday. That's yes. such a shocking bit of news. I didn't have any idea. I don't suppose we were, none of us knew he had um cancer. No. Uh, same yeah. with Paul Ritter. Same with Paul Ritter. It just seems to be, be quite a few this year, actually, which is really sad. Yeah, really, really sad. This this Jeffrey. Jeffrey Perkins is playing Nigel. Yeah, I mean, he resembles Patrick by, by way of tone and extended vocabulary with how he like delivers his lines as this globe does not resemble planet Earth in its entirety. Yeah, it's, like I said, two northern hemispheres. And we sort of switch back and forth between the two, having their, their respective conversations with customer services. It's almost like a two Ronnie sketch in that regard. You know, there's this two Ronnie sketch where they're both on the telephone, like a telephone booth, and it sounds like they're having a conversation with one, one another, but it's completely separate. It's, it's, it feels like that, but it's not entirely like that. That makes sense. Can you imagine them as kids? I mean, as children, they were probably really pedantic and moaning and oh, oh they irritating. They, the mother parents would be like as well. Oh wait, no, it's Pippa's dad. We meet. Um, we never meet Patrick's. Parents. Tom Croker. No, yeah. this is the first relative of Patrick, or well, the only time we hear of his, his relatives. Um, yeah, see them. Yeah, we sp- we switch back to Patrick responding to the customer service advisor. They clearly said. Yeah, that some young upstart had already attempted to fix the garage door, but Patrick is lacking that faith in the young man that he sent around, like you said, citing the, <laughs> the young child with the hair full of glue, spending three hours on the top of a ladder in an attempt to make his testicles drop. Very creatively delivered, uh, well, creative line that, and it's just to say he basically has got a high-pitched voice and he's yeah. very young. I don't, I don't know, know what pa- he's doing. I don't know Patrick's... Maybe perhaps Patrick's insecurities on age come into the forefront of his mind. He's already been compared to Victor Meldrew. Uh, switching back to Nigel, continues his round and points out some further inaccuracies with the globe. Two, so, so it's two Europe's and no Australia. Ah, yeah. May, office, may, may have obvious cultural advantages. He um, quips and then back to Patrick again, who's asked, could it be Rick or Dave who carried out the bodge job? But all Pat can record is the young chap sporting a ring through his ear like a cow. But his name tab seems to have fallen off. He's so calm and collected with his rants, though, and he's so dry and snidey. That's that's a different yeah. style to Victor's rants, I think, isn't it? Oh, with Victor, he's just like screaming down the phone half the time, and then with Patrick, he's a bit more calm and collected. But I think I've got my opinion about about Patrick in my later notes. But I think he's um, in this particular, he's he's actually probably got more reason to be annoyed with the company because if they have given him lip asking ways. Mm what side of the bed he's come out on it you can understand someone getting yeah. married over that i would yeah. i think uh at thin blue if you did you watch the thin blue line 
yeah. the 90s. I think Inspector Grimm, David, is it David Haig who plays him? That like He's got yeah. the, right up there with Victor Meldrew rants, I think. Right up oh, there. Oh, God, yeah. The hilarity. Yeah, brilliant. Pippa's returned, I think, from downstairs to get the hell... Well, she's returned downstairs. Is she, I think she can't work out how this uh, the flat set, the house set up. I wrote, I wrote, Pippa's returned downstairs to get the hell out of there. I think I meant to put she's just left. And uh, Patrick's conversation ends with, oh, has he? How very fine and dandy for him. So I don't know what was said in response to Patrick's mocking of the ear jewellery. So I don't know. I think he's talking about the fact that the, the lads won um, the midweek lottery. Lottery. To go to oh, Barbados. Yeah. And he's going, oh, 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 they, oh, later on, Pippa mentions he might have gone to Barbados. But yeah, he's won a midweek lottery. <laughs> Switch back to Nigel on his phone call. Uh, briefly, he sort of continues his conversation with more sarcasm by, by way of saying, if his brother was blind, there'd be no troubles. So, uh, yeah. Switch back again to Patrick, who offers some congratulations to the builder, like I said, and assertively demands he gets his ass back now. Finish the job. I think it's a very, very clever line by by Nigel. Finishes up his call by also demanding a quick turnaround in rectifying the globe cock up. Your heads and hemispheres will roll. Both Nigel and Patrick are, are in the same uh, sort of shot now because they were previously like in separate shots with the Pippa in the background looking so I'm so pissed off, isn't she? Both they both hang up the phone. Pat reveals the little twerp had won the sixty grand on the midweek lottery. They both say unbelievable, but. I think, yeah, too many victors here. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Pippa sort of falsely polite to them both as she's hinting at us getting rid of Nigel by way of announcing she's picking up the whiskey he wanted to take back and he's yeah. due to head back on the train that, that, that day and Pippa exits. Do you notice that Nigel doesn't respond to her? So she says, it's half six, isn't it? And he just, she just doesn't say anything. Yeah, he seems a bit of an arrogant. arrogant sod, doesn't he? Yeah, it doesn't seem entirely likable. No, not at all. Just, just going by that scene... Um, but after I, I, I believe Pippa when she says she probably absolutely they probably wind each other up, Patrick and um, Nigel. Not wind as in get on each other's nerves, but they they're quite they sort of encourage each other to be as negative and, and whingy as possible. They obviously rub off badly on one on one another. Yeah, that's twins for you. <laughs> yeah, Patrick's further enraged at the stereo as we see a foreground shot of Pippa walking out, quipping to herself on the back at Pat's comments that the stereo is driving them at the wall. And Pippa is bad enough in mono. <laughs> yeah, so it was bad, worse. It was worse when it was that when it was mono. The first couple of scenes are quite um, not going to say unremarkable. There's a lot. There's just a little bit more density I find with the latest, with the next few scenes. It's more to kind of pick apart. I find. Well, we're in the corner shop now, and I don't know if this is the happy shopper, as mentioned in the man who blew away, where Victor received a little personal joke about him in a, in a Christmas cracker. I don't know for sure shop this is but he's doing a little bit of shopping he picks up a li- large piece of is that a bit of sea bass i don't know what fish that is he's, he's doing a bit of shopping in the it's just massive fish i, I do wish i liked fish because there's been so much to choose from seafood wise but not a fan not a fan at all no i am like salmon and cod yeah oh yeah a bit of cod yeah battered of course fish and other chips. than that yeah <laughs> So, yeah, he's doing a bit of little bit of shopping. Uh, he's doing the nose tapping thing again, just to sort of plant, further plant that seed that it's going to build up to a misunderstanding, perhaps. Uh, retrieves a box of Sinex, further indicating he's got a blocked nose problem. I thought I noticed for someone like me who also suffers with um, blocked sinuses almost permanently, I, it resonated with me. Like, oh, yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. It's horrible <laughs> forever buying those things. I um, love the fact that when um, we see Mr. Swainey, 
he says um you know what he, there's a product he says oh that's very overpriced and that's what i like about the the, the 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 kind of culture of this scene it's like a corner shop with has overpriced yeah um products and, and often you find it's it is labeled products but it has the prices on the boxes and it will not move to any other any other price he is like a, uh, a cuckoo calling for out from his clock when he he yeah. just like moves the box of cornflakes morning mr meldrew i'd get it in boots if i were you what the anusol They'll charge the earth in places like this. I love Mr. Swaney's entrances. They're just, they're, there's all, it's just, he just appears out of nowhere. Yeah, it's the last time we'll see Mr. Swaney. Owen oh, Brenham, yes. it's, yeah, I mean, it's a penultimate episode, so we're not going to see much of many people, sadly, but this is his last episode. I Just before we go into that in further detail, so much product placement, you know, Pampers, Sinex, Kellogg's, it's, it yes. seems to, you know, you can't get away with that now. Um, no. But it, it does bring a bit of realism to the show, I think, when they reference, you know, everyday foods we might buy. Um, I'll, I'll always remember when I see um, Rearranging the Dust and they've got a B&Q bag. And it's just so interesting to see what B&Q bags and logos was like then. It was like a white bag and it was like, it was the same logo type, but it was really dark red. I remember it's a Sainsbury's bag. Good food costs less than Sainsbury's. I'm <laughs> yes. sure it was. Uh, it's like slightly orange. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you mean though. It's, it's, I, I like watching comedies of the 80s and 90s just to, to look at the set because it takes you back to your childhood and what things were like. Um, I this... don't, I, you don't mind looking at 60s and 70s comedies, but 80s and 90s especially, it's like, wow, to see yeah. what it was like then. Because set designers are bloody good at their job. You know? This set is really is particularly good. I feel like these kind of corner shops that you go into now, it's kind of very small. Everything's kind of cramped on the shelf, yeah. like, like pushed on the shelves, very tight spaces. I, I actually feel like there's, there's places around me that are like that um, now. And it's just, yeah, it's crazy to see the detail yeah. that they have that they go into with that really good uh nick swain star of 15 episodes patrick and Bibb obviously with us the last time we see them star of 14 episodes and it's sad despite its usual hilarity yeah it is sad to, yeah mr swain's last ever misunderstood you for my greeting nick gives victor a, a second prizes one in in a in a eczema sufferers tombola it could just be any kind of tombola raffle it had to be something like eczema didn't it i just it, it, i mean i can't even imagine the meetings for those kind of, for that kind of thing it's only in this show and only mr swaney would do something like that it's it's wonderful and uh <laughs> it's victor's face isn't it richard wilson's got this you know, such a flexible face as i as the way yeah. i can describe it and uh the the prize is was donated by mrs cribbins at the dry cleaners which is her late husband's false beard it's not just shoes that Victor manages to get hold of that are from the from deceased people like Dreamland. It's old, old people's beard, lovely. And the way I love how he, <laughs> Mr. Swaney describes it as a family heirloom. Yeah, and that it's oh. been a chronic. It, 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 he had chronic facial dermatitis, and it's been steam cleaned, but he needs to be sparing with the gums Arabic. I'm just like, what? I, I, I just, it's a complete. You know, that's come from something, David. I know. I suppose, I suppose it's. In keeping with the nature of the charity, but nevertheless, come on, that's just not a cool thing to give someone, is it? That that is like I don't know, an athlete's foot, um, I, <laughs> suffers uh, tombola, and then you have like someone's dead skin on something. <laughs> it was only today, actually, because I I donated, you know, ten pounds worth of raffle tickets for a charity of my my boss's friend who sadly lost her son some time ago, and there's loads there's loads of cool prizes to win. One of them was a skydive, which I'd never do, but 
you know, there's some, you know, there's vouchers for here, there, and everywhere. But I won a prize, and it was like glass bottles, like it's homemade. I think they're like empty wine bottles decorated with lights, like little fairy lights in the middle, inside, sorry, in, inside them. Lots of effort, but in my opinion, tacky. And I just don't know what to do with them because there's like six of them, and they're all different. They're all different um, styles, and it's just not our thing. So. I feel cruel putting them in the bottle bank, but I think I might just give them to someone if they want to have something on the mantelpiece with, with fairy lights. But yeah, Christmas got, decoration. It's quite we're quite we've got a lot of clutter in our house, so it's not for it's not for me. I, I'm happy happily donate the money, but I mean it would have been a bonus to get you know something that's useful. But it's not about that, is it? It's just to entice people into, of course donate but yeah it's only today i finally got because my boss uh kept hold of it for the last few weeks i didn't know if i'd ever see it but um yeah i've seen it now i don't, <laughs> don't know what to do with it maybe i can give it out as a prize on this podcast for something it'd be uh, like when mr it'd be like when mr foskett gave mick to the um the dentures in the yeah boxes. i think i think i'd rather the dentures i think it came in a nice case at least didn't it yeah anyway so victor just... uh, victor asks uh, nick swain if he's all set for tomorrow he's moving house quite an Quite an unusual vibe. This scene. We're, we're led down the path that these won't, these two won't meet each other again, and and obviously we, the audience, believe it, considering it's the second last episode. You know, we know we're seeing out this series as a whole. Victor's unusually nice, but more, say more. He's not. He's never unkind. He's usually sort of like, oh, just get this out, get this interaction out of the way. But he's quite meaningful with his niceness this time. It's usually passive, and you know, he's usually polite for the sake of politeness but Nick, Nick's grateful Nick Swain's grateful he takes it he's taken aback a bit and he he sort of go in for a, a hug a man hug straight on shot of, of this now like you can see them straight on having a nice uh, cuddle and a bit of sorrowful music heard as they say their goodbyes and Nick, Nick leaves and I think maybe when he first watched this you might not think you see Mr Swaney again it might just be a, a quick cameo from him just to say goodbye to the audience well if I uh, don't see you uh, before you go um Keep in touch and, uh, well, hope it all works out for you. Oh, well, thank you very much, Mr. Mulder. That's very kind. And, um... <laughs> Lots of love to Mrs. Meldrew and, um, bye-bye to you. Bye, Mr. Sweeney. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's one of these moments which get, it makes me annoyed when people think Victor Melder is like the grumpy character because actually shows what a what a decent man he is. And it's also the same when you go to um, when he mentions in Endgame, you know, about Mr. Swaney's putting on weight. He almost he says it in a way that's more concerned for him. Yeah, his that's mother true. died, and I love the way he says, you know, just keep in touch. And I was like, oh, well, it, it sounded the most genuine. It did I, actually. I, yeah. In fact, I think the grumpiest sitcom character, which sitcom that just started by the time this series of One Foot was on, was My Family. Robert Lindsay's character of Ben Harper, he's very grumpy. And 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 scenes like this, that character would be, if it was a character he didn't like was moving away, mm. Ben would be like, oh, you know, thank God he's gone. Whereas Victor, I think, knows Mr. Swain is annoying. Yeah. Like like with Mrs. Warboys, but makes yeah. an effort because of the good times they have had. Which they have yeah. had good times. Yeah, he's got heart, I think. Yeah, I think he's uh I think he understands that Mr. Swaney's a guy who lives on his own at the end of the day. You know, he hasn't got his mum with him anymore. And it's uh yeah, yeah. he's got he's uh yeah, he's he's a good guy, Vic. And uh, we're now at the Meldry's house. Margaret's sifting through a, a magazine, she's rewinding back whatever she's just recorded on the 
in the VHS uh, yeah. VCR recorder, momentarily glances at the TV and she's she's winding back this video, suddenly transfixed to a, a man she's seeing, kneeling down, documenting on like a war zone. And he's right in the thick of it. It's like an American filmmaker, a broadcaster. And Looks like Michael does... Moore, doesn't he? Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, you're right. This this chap does mention the word dawn, correlating with the title of the episode, referencing yeah. these men away, another dawn to break of war, presumably. And this, this person's called Skip Hoberman, the CNS News. Um, that name. And by the way, this isn't the voice of Owen Brenham. It isn't? It's not. I don't know why. It's someone called John Rye. And I don't know if that's because Owen Brenham can pull off the... I'm sure he could. He's an actor. But and I know not all actors can pull off accents, but I feel like surely Owen could have done that. But anyway, yeah. she's quite taken aback by this and the audience are chuckling. And, and yeah, I'm not sure I caught on that this man, despite <laughs> being played by Owen Brenham himself, looked like Mr. Swain at the time. I can't, well, How old was I? The 14 when this came out. So probably not following the episode as, as much as I would do, doing a rewatch. But I thought, oh, is that supposed to be... Owen Brenham dressed up as this guy, or was it just a lookalike? At that point, I was probably overanalyzing it. Um, and that's a quite a short scene before we go back to the corner shop. But you know, yeah. again, picking up where we left off. Nick's Nick Swainy's just left a shop, or someone's just walked down anyway. Uh, Victor picks up a copy of the uh, the Full Monty, which I think it was out about that year. I think it was a massive film. So I'm watching that at the cinema. Great, great film. It's a great film, and I I, I was very I loved the analyzing the video stand. And seeing all the titles I could see. Any uh, that stood out for you? Oh, quite a few. Cracker, True Lies, Total Recall. I oh, noticed yeah. one was Kim Cattrall's face, but I don't know what the film was. Couple of Friends videos, Porridge, Brief oh, yeah. Encounter, Three Men and a Baby, and The Good Guide to Sex. They should have had um, 2.4 Children, because that would have been out on video for the first series or two, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, the first that, series had three episodes. That would have been a good nod to his friend Andrew, wouldn't it? Well, there's actually um, one episode of 2.4 John where they have a one from the grave for chess, apparently. Oh, really? Oh, so yeah. Mr. Remick didn't repay the uh, little um, <laughs> Easter egg there. <laughs> I think there's a props part and had all the bot videos in Instagram, mm. whatever. It's just yeah. fate that and choose what they have out there. But I look, again, again for details. I can remember sort of early 2000s those kind of shops and stands with the videos on the shelves yeah. and it just does take me back to that yeah. time you know things like having the good sex guide or on the top shelf it's like with top shelf magazines you know it's, it's just all changed now hasn't it yeah yeah i don't think um young folk need to worry about getting to the top shelf of anything now it's uh it's yeah. all on a device absolutely I, I i guess i mean i don't i don't, I don't know sorry going back to uh the corner shop. Presuming this is Dodgy Douglas. We don't know he's called Dodgy Douglas at the minute. But he's Dodgy no. Douglas and uh, Victor sort of I think holds up the, the video of, of Full Monty asking if it's any good. And he, this guy seems a bit of a arrogant bloke, doesn't he? I mean, he's like, yeah. I think a bit homophobic. Depends who like blokes taking their clothes off. So Victor goes just like, just why is it, you know? Um, well, the thing is with the Full Monty, it's one of those, it's like, have you ever seen Magic Mike? No. That, I've I've never seen it fully, but I know that's much more of a kind of, or I'm led to believe it's more of a kind of chick flick stripper film. Whereas this, Full Monty, is actually an 80% a social commentary film. And, yeah. and about them, yeah, it's obviously they are doing it for charity and to give them money and stuff. But 
he does see it you know it's one of those the full monty it's kind of a film that anyone can watch and enjoy it's not really about stripping it's about a lot more yeah yeah i, I don't know victor does ignore the passive aggressive i think passive aggressive is the phrase and uh yeah. he goes to purchase it not I don't, I don't even know if he understood the context of what douglas was saying and as, as uh, Douglas bends down to retrieve the cassette, it's obviously quite security conscious. It's a bit like when you used to buy it, if you buy a game or a, or a CD or whatever, used to HMV used to have a copy of it around the back, didn't they? So they just, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Blockbuster Video would do that. He looks inside, Victor looks inside his bag and asks, Don't get anything a bit stronger down there, I suppose. Bit, I mean, it's slightly ridiculous because it's hardly a hint of context for Douglas. And in fact, can be probably. F- forgiven for thinking Victor wants something more hardcore, I don't know, but Victor sort of is assuming that Douglas has seen Victor look in his bag and knows that he's brought, obviously knows he's brought the Sinex spray for his nose, but he's so vague by Victor. And Douglas just on his knees sort of asking, what, what do you mean then? And uh, the nose tapping comes back in again, as if to say, you know what Secret I mean? Code. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was watching, um, I saw a film last week called Censor. It's a new horror film set in the 80s about the video nasty era. And it was about, um, there was one scene set in a video shop. And I did read this, that because of back in the day when certain films were banned, and same with pornographic videos, mm. some video shops did have them under the counter. So that oh. you had to have like a code or name or something. Oh, really? So, yeah, because they because a lot of video shops and sex shops got raided a lot in that time because right. it was technically it was illegal. So I think I, do you know what? I don't. I, I think I read somewhere recently, and I don't believe this is true. The pornographic videos were actually illegal until two thousand. Now I don't believe that one hundred percent because I'm sure there was a. Vi- I can remember the local video shop when I was younger having a, a shelf of. You knew they were rude films. You didn't yeah. know what they were, but they did, and they were on display. So I can't believe it was that late. But then again, this is 2000, so it might have just been before the law changed, um, and that's why he was unable to have them on the shelf, except the good sex guide was probably not classed as porn. It was classed as a help guide. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't believe what I put into my Google search bar, but I'm <laughs> to know when gay porn was legal by region. Let's have a look. I'm going to find this out. Just for my curiosity, the Obscene Publications Act, 1959, and there's one in 64. Doesn't mention, yeah. Oh, it keeps in the pod this bit. It's just, I'm just curious to know. But yeah, that's, um, yeah, classic mis- misunderstanding of Warmth in the Grave. This, uh, and notice how Mr. Douglas Dudley has, Douglas, um, Dodgy Douglas has a cigarette in his mouth inside on the, on, at work on the till. Love that. Times have changed. <laughs> Massively. Massively. Yeah, th- by the way, this Dodgy Douglas is played by Stuart Harwood. He died age 63 only a few years back, actually. Um, oh. it's, been a, it's been a few bits and pieces, nothing that really stood up to me. But moving to the next scene, then back at the Meldries in the kitchen, Pippa arrives to sit with um, a Margaret. She's having a bit of a, a, a rant about the Brothers Grimm. Uh, brothers Grimsby, Sasha Browncombe, but obviously it's based on... Uh, although they're two German brothers, apparently, who were basically influential in the creation of many novels and stories and things like yeah. Cinderella, Hansel, Hansel and Gretel, Little Red yeah. Riding Hood. But she that's how she describes Patrick and Nigel. So a little uh, a little whinge from Pippa, and she's treated herself to a nice bottle of red wine that she's been hosting Nigel's stay for three weeks. It's quite a long time, actually. A long three time. Weeks. Wouldn't he have time have to go back to work unless he was um, working locally and he's just staying at theirs for three weeks? Maybe, actually. I mean, uh, Victor's brother Alfred stayed for two or three weeks, didn't he? And Victor was yeah. making a tally chart of when he's going. Um, <laughs> when asked if this um, 
Nigel's divorce. Pippa dances around the fact that he is gay and had a crush on Jonathan Dimbleby. Of course, it would be Jonathan Dimbleby because that's, I think, oh, a funny God. name to, to, <laughs> to speak of. And it's, yeah. of course, it's going to be a crush on an intellectual man, in, you know, in the broadcasting world. And for once, I, I, under, I understood that reference. Pippa describing Nigel, who says he's so alike Patrick, it's frightening. Obviously, clearly describing each phone call like an episode of Kavanagh QC. So, did you watch I, that back in the day? I did. Well, not in depth, but I knew it was on. It's one of those. Um, I just knew it was, a, it was around. Yeah. Was about. John Thor programs. Pippa very much continu- continuing her array of like one liners because executioner song. She politically slagged off Patrick and men then. She had a couple of good episodes, I think, Pippa has. I think that character becomes better and better as the series progresses. Margaret concurs and speaks about Victor, who's now into fishing. Uh, so we know. Victor was into cooking seafood back in Series 5, Hole in the Sky. Um, Margaret is enjoying Mickey taking Victor to Pippa. She says he's no clue how to fish. Follows with a hilarious anecdote about... And it's one of these anecdotes that it's funny as an anecdote. We don't need to see it. It's like this one. Bought himself a fishing rod now, would you believe? With all the gubbins. Think he has the first idea how to cast a line. Took a woodpecker out of a tree the other night. (laughs) Beak first down an old lady's jogging shorts. What a nightmare. <laughs> That's a great image. What an imagination Remick has got there. It's funny enough, to, it's funny enough to not need it to be seen. I mean, it, you see so many weird things happen in the show anyway. You've got, you know, there's always these weird occurrences that happen and these weird, mm. you know, even just things like, um, I think it... Oh, which episode is it now in series six when Victor falls asleep in the car and then he just gets himself on the... Tre- on the um, in the in the row of cars you know you just yeah. think that's so weird to happen and then something like this is such an interesting visual and it just <laughs> it's it's just wonderful did we we know they're brothers but do we did we hear pippa say that they're twins as you know yeah. she, i know she says they don't look like one another yeah she says they're virtually the same except for um, oh yes yeah uh, except for, well they're, except they're very similar in every way yeah personality wise yeah yeah but like, that's Margaret take Margaret taking on that they're, they're identical twins Yes. But she would. Yeah, I think so. Just been out to get him a drop of the hard stuff. Later in the day, in the, still in the kitchen, Victor walks in. Uh, oh, Bob, sorry, I should, should say that that previous scene finishes because um, Margaret's got to collect a prescription and Pippa says she'll tag along. Yeah. Um, later in the day, Victor comes back in. Uh, he's got some shopping. And he, I think he's got his fishing rod. Uh, knocks over some of the bits and pieces in the kitchen. Slightly enraged by that. Here's Margaret coming the door, so quickly unwraps. I love this bit. He unwraps. It's, I don't again. I don't know if it's sea bass or what. Someone will be able to tell me. I'm sure who's keen on fishing. Unwraps the fish, chucks the wrapper, places it on the sideboard as if to say, you know, look at this catch I I got today. What I do know about fishing is you do have to chuck fish back into the to the river. So if Victor's making out that he's just caught this, then technically he's broken some sort of fishing law there, Victor Meldrew, but he hasn't because we know he's purchased it. I did not know that. That's 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 brand new to me. I've never gone fishing. I thought that anyone who got fish I, from the river they can I, cook it. I, I know it's in rivers mostly you can't, but obviously out in sea I think you can. But it depends on your license, I suppose. But anyway, what I love I, I love that because um, yeah, he's he's clearly a little conscious of his fishing exploits and a lack of a catch. So Margaret comes and spots the fish. Oh, and why didn't you throw this back, Victor? Sorry. 
Into the bloody fridge where it came from. <laughs> Must be at least three days past its sell-by. Why you keep going in that place is beyond me. When you, you think she's going to say back in the river, she goes back in the bloody fridge where it came from. So she knows full well that it's, it's been purchased. I mean, Dodgy but, Douglas, that's a kind of name that everyone knows. That, you know, everyone in, this, in an area will know that's where Dodgy Douglas works. That's where you can get yeah. X, Y, and Z under the, from under the counter. <laughs> she says it's three days past its sell-by, but I don't actually know she, how she'd know that. She chucks it outside. I think it's where she mentions Dodgy Douglas for the first time, I think. Victor thinks he's um, being conned out of the popcorn that he was promised with this, the video purchase and amongst other groceries. Chiseled out of popcorn. That is a fantastic word. I, that's a new word for me. I love it. You should use that in your vocab now when you've uh, been shortchanged. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> um, and then we learned that Victor's writing a talk for the WI. And I just think that's the most amazing idea ever that Victor Meldrew would actually go and talk to the Women's Institute because they... I actually think he would be the most sane person to be there, to be quite honest. Yeah, I don't know if he'd be an arch enemy or, or yeah, on, on the same wavelength as them. Over there, that bastard first thing, I just about had a day of it. Victor, how is it? He sees the positive at the, as these events will go down well with the, the WI talk he's doing. And uh, Margaret, a li- again, a little bit, she didn't never quite happy for him. Like She's always a little bit gobsmacked that he's trying something new. Mm. And, uh yeah. But he's, he's going to be reading the, the gospel according to Victor Meldrew. I love that book. Yeah. Just the gospel according to Mr. Victor Meldrew. Victor Mel- the gospel according to Victor Meldrew just sounds like the best thing ever. Well, we are getting a, a one for the Grave and Counting novel, aren't we? So that'd be good. Yes. I, I was only made aware of the initial book by a couple of listeners. And Darren kindly donated his copy to me. So, oh. and uh, shamefully, I mean, I'm not a, a big book reader, so it's going to take me years to read. But I endeavour to, you know, I certainly think I'll maybe make it my a little mini New Year's resolution to read both, hopefully the new novels out you know, by 2022 so I can just read them both and maybe review them on a podcast at a later date. Who knows? Yes. But, uh, anyway, okay. sorry. Um, so he's thinking of renaming his gospel, Quantum Victor Meldrews. I'm thinking of basing it around the theme of evolution gone wrong. Neanderthal man did not, in fact, die out. He went to work for Sky Digital. <laughs> performance we had with them yeah it's always it's always sky that gets the this sort of um it's always a bit of a, a jive at sky in a lot of these sitcoms i mean back then it was only 10 years terrestrial, old maybe? well i mean all you had was terrestrial tv sky digital or cable so cable was never really referred to as by you know because i don't know it was what was it blue yonder back then or telly west mm. so i think sky digital just sounds funnier and it's just more of a recognizable um, name back then to reference, I think. Obviously, talk of Pippa's anguish at having to put up with Patrick and his brother. She also points out, and she points out his brother's gay, but like Patrick in every respect. Um, so just, again, given Victor that idea that they're, they're going to look alike, which will set us up nicely for later. Mark, back in the kitchen, talking about it being a coincidence, but not sure who she's on about at that point. But she spots something on the floor wrapped in a brown paper bag. And she thinks this belongs to Pippa, because that's where she sat. It's right underneath yeah. where she sat. So Victor calls out if they're, um, yeah, this is where Victor asks if they're completely identical. And Margaret just says, says yes, but not sure. I don't think Pepper made that clear at all. She just said they're twins, almost the same in every other way. So I think she did, actually. Yeah, the, um, practically the spitting image, she says. Yeah. Um, which you would think that unless, generally speaking with twins, you would say if someone was not identical, they're not identical twins, wouldn't you? Mm. I think so. 
I think that's the first thing. If I learn of someone, if I hear of someone that is a twin, oh, you know, my brother or sister, we're, we're twins. I say, oh, are you identical or not? You do ask that, don't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I got twin daughters or twin sons. Or are they the, the, the same or not? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Victor is a bit perplexed that mention of, of Patrick's brother hasn't been brought up before and, and ponders if they purposefully have kept their distance, maybe. Victor and Margaret having that, do that thing where they're like conversation in, in two different rooms as ever, which always plays out well. That's true to life. You know, Con- you do shout from room to room, or not shout, but raise your voice when you're just doing your own thing. Yeah. Um, not, not just not just sort of confined to one room. It's very real in the way mm. it's directed and rehearsed as well. I can imagine the rehearsals for this would have been very frantic because you yeah. they're, they're, they move on the go all the time yeah you can't okay. read the body language or the timing must be difficult to uh to achieve victor suspects if you have a twin brother that's gay it could lead to all sorts of mix-ups and i suppose a bit of foreshadowing loads of foreshadowing here mark asks for a hand with the dinner prep as uh, victor spots the cassette Dwayne spartacus and mighty joe schlong <laughs> Five. It's just the way he says schlong. It's fantastic. He's got such a unique accent, isn't he? Oh, it's Richard. beautiful. It's beautiful voice, actually, because it's just so you can he really articulates the word and, and, and pronounces it so so well. Not, not gonna lie, JD. I I did Google Dwayne Spartacus and Mighty Joe Schlong. Are they real? Uh nothing really come up of that the title. Just no, okay. For for podcasting research purposes, just had to see if that was real. But yeah, so by now, Margaret spotted this brown paper bag with something in it. Victor's spotted the oh, then she hands that to him. Then she so then then reads yeah. out the, the the video. Yeah, Margaret rather innocently wants to watch this after tea. I love how she goes. Yes, I might sit and watch that after tea if there's nothing. In you do the washing up. It's a weird thing, actually, because, I mean, obviously, things have changed now with videos. I mean, obviously, it's more DVDs, but more online now. But it's, it's it, the equivalent would be nowadays. If someone left their login at Netflix here, you wouldn't just go on and watch anything. So if someone's left a video there, you just wouldn't... What, I personally wouldn't watch something. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, again, you didn't have a great deal of choice back then. You had four yeah. or five channels if you, you if you wanted to spend three or four pounds to rent in a video you would so mm. if there's something new to watch maybe you might have done maybe I'll, I'll just stick that in but of course the of that generation where sexual stuff that sexualized that it, it would go over their heads so mm. they're not going to think that 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 title reads as something dodgy into the next scene we're outside of the trench residence um patrick is assuming or more than hopeful that the garage has now been fixed people are a little skeptical since this lad has won the lottery, you know, it's not a life-changing win, but I suppose if he's only a teenager, he's definitely going to be quitting work and he for a few years. 100%. And I think I think it's the cleverest prank played in any comedy. I think this, I've this... never seen anything like this. This is such an out there idea. <laughs> that a garage door opens automatically. Well, it, no. it goes deeper than that. The fact that the the uh set design team have been able to come up with this, uh they managed to engineer the Front door to open open up like tilt, whereas the obviously I don't know if the garage was the actual garage door was ever fixed as such. I think that's probably still jammed, but the door was just yeah, yeah. somehow I don't know, I'm sure it's more than achievable. Well, it is because we can see it, but just very clever. It's a wonderful image because you think like Patrick's kind of think he's kind of got that smile and that real smirk that Angus Deasing does really well when he opens it up, and it's just this. The very front door opening up. I mean, that's something that someone's had to have that happen to them because it's so so bizarre. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a real house. That's not a set, is it? So that's a yeah. real job that's been carried out. Yeah. Something else I noticed as well. Yeah. Um, when they're driving up, do you notice the street sign? Uh, no. It says Kilpatrick Way. Does it really? Yeah. Didn't know. I didn't see that. That's an amazing street name. It's good observation skills. Yeah, I didn't see that. Kilpatrick Way. Kilpatrick. Kil- that is yeah. a name, isn't it? But it's just... But it's yeah. spelt with one L and it's Kilpatrick. Just Kilpatrick. Kilpatrick. At Kilpatrick Way. It's like, yeah. oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if 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 Patrick Trench had, had also died in this series, then that would have been a massive foreshadowing or a yes. little Easter egg clue that he's going to go. But yeah, oh yeah, I did I did, did not spot that. The door op- opens up like a DeLorean door of Back to Back to the Future. That sort of yes tilts all the way. It's very good. Yeah, the little bastard! I'll kill him. Back at the Meldrews, <laughs> the scene pans away from the back of the TV to. So Margaret in shot a horrified Margaret where obviously but they're watching this porn now, aren't they? Yeah. She's absolutely horrified and uh, calls in Victor whilst horrified. He's equally as unbounded as he's uh, coincidentally rubbing a rolling pin slowly and suggestibly. Oh my god, it's like how I don't know how genuinely I don't know how this got past the censors because like the music's clearly quite porno, like yeah. like old porno. Yeah. Grunting on the telly. She, and 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 bless, but Annette Crosby, I think in real life is quite. Um, I think she's a little bit. From what I have read about her, she's very. Um, she's a bit more forward thinking. Knows a lot about the world. Quite knows a bit about life. In this instant, Margaret is quite dumbfounded by. She knows gay people exist, but I don't think she knows how it works. Shall we? Say? Yeah, mate. Uh, perhaps. I mean. <laughs> it's a, it is a big deal for the Maldries. Like, porn wasn't exactly readily available as it is. No. now but back then even straight porn on video was probably hard to get hold of so they're, they're probably just a bit like what what am i seeing here a victor yeah. calls out what is this and margaret responds it's not it's not dicks and a dot green <laughs> have you ever seen dicks and a dot green ever? no i haven't I've, I've it's referenced in the office with david brent but i've I, oh no it's also referenced uh, by mr swain isn't it he's the yeah fans, he's the fan group yeah morning yeah. all yeah but i've never yeah. watched it Oh, do you know what? It's the most dreary garbage ever because it's like it's a guy. The actor in it's like eighty, or not right. He's seventy. He's yeah. well past police age, and literally it just starts with him looking at the camera, like saluting, going "Good evening, all." And you know, being a coppers, this that, and I'm thinking this is dreary. This is yeah. So I, I quite like the reference to it. Oh, it's not Dixon of Dark Green, <laughs> and I love it when. Um, well, two things I particularly like is when Margaret is clearly shocked by something in particular and turns yeah. it off. And then Victor sits down and he puts the rolling pin up in a very suggestive way yeah. on his lap. That's just, that's funny. And then she says, you know, goes, refers to Piffa saying, you know, hard stuff, she said, going back, you know, misunderstanding the alcohol. And then she turns to Victor and goes, is that what some men actually, you know, and, and it's just, she's just, yeah. And then wants the sweet smelling salts because she just needs to kind of... Yeah, she, she's horrified that someone would buy their brother-in-law something like this. And uh, yeah, yeah, just... Um, yeah, it's, yeah, she is recollecting hard stuff. Like you said, it's just the whiskey, isn't it? Or the, the, the booze that she purchased. The thing that annoys me as well about the way people... a lot Some people talk about one from the grave nowadays is they seem to forget what it was actually like in terms of the content. So yeah. do you remember a couple of years ago there was a sitcom on BBC One with John Cleese and Alison Steadman called Hold the Sunset? Yes. It was not very good, to be honest. It was quite it was quite easy watching, but it was it was pretty forgettable. Yeah. Well, there was um 
I remember it got really panned and people were saying, oh, it's just very safe and easy. And there was um, a, a reviewer who said that Hold the Sunset pilfers the DNA of sundry sitcoms from the Jurassic era as time goes by. Sorry, even a spot of one foot in the grave. What it doesn't have, despite the presence of Cleese, is one jot of the manic genius of Faulty Towers. And they complained that it wasn't like risky enough or someone didn't, they didn't swear enough, the characters didn't have adult themes. I'm thinking, well, this was on it. 2000s referencing gay porn which was still pretty dodgy then i would imagine that the watershed had come in by then so perhaps it was after nine o'clock oh yeah they they probably could but it's still somewhat a family sitcom isn't it this but yeah all the same it isn't Um, but yeah i mean i don't think for a minute they're homophobic oh no victor and mark they just they haven't seen it before spending the salts she seems a bit faint that's got a phone yeah chuckle but victor's tasked by margaret to take the video back to them i did think why should he do it but i suppose no why should he do it i don't know why Mar- margaret doesn't do it it's not his fault at this stage is it if in her no. in, in in their reality yeah it's just where patrick and pippers has a rare sort of well rare shot of their bathroom in fact we've never seen it but we've seen their front living room a couple of times and kitchen i mean the yeah. new house that is as well patrick's just had a bath i think sat on the toilet seat Pip- pippa walks in She's quite, she's quite annoyed. He's he's polished off the wine, and uh, I think he said he wanted to steady his nerves. What yeah. did he want to steady his nerves for? Was he was there something coming up in his life that made him? I I I've watched this episode twice. I didn't. Th- I, I I wondered if there was something in particular. He I think he said it, he thought it was just for the taking. That's what he says. Okay. I just thought he just thought it was for the taking. Is yeah. it like it's just there to drink? He, he stands up, he's a bit uneasy on his feet, he's got his towel wrapped around him, and uh, people are asking where the cork is. Uh, he, like, corks up, doesn't it? Like, it's almost, it's, it's if it, as if someone's turned it and he's just gone up like that, standing up, it's quite funny. I mean, how he's not felt that going in, I don't know. He's obviously that drunk, he's a bit numb to it, but yeah. it's the only thing he's not sucked, apparently, um, is, is the, uh, well, he has, really. Um, he's noticing he feels a bit clogged up, peers down, to his back end with a deep concern. It's like a coincidental build-up of music at this point. And later in the evening, Pippa is performing the sort of the prognosis of, of what's just happened. And this scene, by the way, mirroring Victor in a previous situation, I think, at least once before in the exterminating angel, when he's burnt his ass basically in the shower. And uh, he's he's he sits on the I think he sits on a spike in only a story. No thanks to Mrs. Warboys cleaning out the cupboards. But anyway, um the call yeah, it's gone quite a long way in. He expects Pippa to get it out. All a bit of a panic right now. Pippa retrieves the wine bottle opener, which further enrages Patrick because you know he just wants a corkscrew, not this huge wine I bottle love, opener. I love the dialogue in this when she's like, Patrick, there's no delicate way you're saying this, but it's gone quite a way in. And then when she says, um, I feel really uncomfortable doing this, you know, and then Patrick's like, Well, isn't that funny? Whereas I I, I seem to be growing even more relaxed and confident. confident. Yeah. I mean, that's the last thing when you need when you need someone to be really calm and to get some do something kind of what doctors should be doing. And then it's like they're just nervous or they don't know what they're doing. It's like, yeah, probably just go to the doctors at this point. I'd, I'd just say let's go to the doctors, get it out of the way. It definitely exacerbates the problem when, yeah, when someone is panicking and uh, yeah, a bit of a calamity from Nurse Pippa as Patrick screams out in pain. So she obviously, I don't know if she ever got it out properly or not, but that ends that scene pretty pretty abruptly before being in the Meldrew back garden Victor is putting his like a tape in his pocket and he glances over to next door where 
Mr. Swainy lives. Probably, I think looking over, looking a little bit glum, and probably thinking this is it's quite a nice neighbour, really. Uh, yeah. Even looking up to Mr. Swainy's mother's window, and uh, it's a sad bit of music playing. And I think I'm sad when I'm watching this. Oh boy, he did actually, you know, as neighbours go, he's actually a nice, nice guy. But suddenly, mm. again, <laughs> the genius one foot we hear from behind. Morning, Mr. Meldrew. Bright and early. Oh, I thought. You never said you were only moving two doors along. Sorry? Oh, yes, I always wanted an end house, and uh, as I say, wanted to make a fresh start without really leaving the area. So, as uh, soon as I heard the McVitties were emigrating, I leapt straight in with an offer. Of course, I still haven't found a buyer for number 21, but uh, isn't that funny? You didn't know about it. Funny! It's only oh, Mr. Swainy. He's there. He's, <laughs> as you would be, absolutely puzzled and confused. What... what? <laughs> Mr. Swain's doesn't even bat an eyelid, of course. This is perfectly normal. But he's, yeah, so he's moved two doors along. Uh, he's always it. he just wanted an end terrace. That's that's all he that's all he's wanted, and uh, he's made out as like a fresh start. He's just he's just baffled, and I love how Margaret comes out. It's like he's settling in, Mr. Swainy. Like she just knew it, and it was easy. And it's like you would think, no, someone we would have made it a bit more clear to Victor in the scene of course in, you would. in the shop. I mean, of course you'd say that. I mean, it's just it's just absurd, isn't it? Yeah, um, but. It's it's funny because Mr. Swainy didn't didn't think twice to say, oh, although I'm moving, I'm just the other side of you. Because um, the McVitties, the McVitties yeah. were immigrating. I mean, to have I a name like in, the McVitties is amazing. I thought, I thought that was interesting that they've emigrated. It, it's, it's affected that much by living next to the Meldrews that they're emigrating. So that's what living next to victim can do to a, a man, apparently. Yes. But yeah, that's where Nick Swainy leapt in with an offer. I think Nick Swainy has a bit of bit of dollar about him to, to sort of he hasn't found a buyer for his house but he's moved into this house so he's got some cash on him probably um, money left by his mum I expect so yeah inheritance isn't it or yeah the house is now in his name and he's still got loads of money saved up suddenly Margaret appears greeting Nick and she isn't all su- at all surprised unless she learnt the news previously yeah. but she'd have told Victor wouldn't she she'd be like oh he's actually the other side but so either Margaret think, thinks nothing of it or she knew all along that he's moving to the other side and, yeah. um, but Margaret's keen for Mr. Swainy to watch this footage of this um, doppelganger that she saw you know, in one of the earlier scenes. Nick, say, I think he says uh, there's, a, there's a couple coming over at three to view the house that he's trying to sell, his old mum's house, Mr. and Mrs. Gleason. The name Mr. and Mrs. Gleason, you do envisage a fairly old couple. So that, that's to your imagination at that point. And, um, but then he says the estate agent has warned of the husband being a bit of a nasty piece of work, very violent. He was in the area yesterday morning having lunch at some pub when some lunatic stuck a load of maggots in his face. <laughs> Said he uh, tried to drive after him but lost him at the roundabout just down the road here. And that's when he noticed my signpost. Really? Yes. Yes. He says if he ever sees this chap again, he's going to beat the living shit out of him. <laughs> Such Nick Swainy says it with some relish, doesn't he? Like this bloke will beat the living shit out of the man who placed the maggots on his food. And then I love it when he says, "I've never heard such language. Never heard such language." It's like you've ne- he's never been in Manchester. That's all I can say. <laughs> but how terrifying is it if you're in Victor's shoes, though? Like a, a final, you know that? It's just a final reminder for him just to leave things alone, isn't it? Well, it's like the man. Well, of course, the man is Mr. Gleason's chased after Victor. Finds the finds his neighborhood, finds his house at Dips's fail sign. It's like, oh, that's good. That's just like the worst fate and luck and everything. Just the whole world does conspire against Victor all the time, which is yeah. what I love. Yeah. And he's lucky. 
well, he's lucky he didn't see Victor's car sooner if he, if he was chasing, even chase. Yeah, he must have gone to the shop at that point. Mm, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Works out perfectly well, doesn't it? Chronologically speaking, that is what happened. Yeah, there's never any hot potholes in this show, which I like. no, it's so I think it's tied up very, very neatly. So neat, it's yeah. so neat. We're in the trenches hallway now. Pippa doing a bit of hoovering, Patrick entering via the sliding revolving door. It's absolutely bucketing it down. So the set looks pretty good. I think that's. I feel like that is a set with a realistic outdoor scenery, or it could actually be filmed from inside a real house. I, don't know. I think it's a house, you know. I was, think, I was thinking the exact same thing. I, I just thought the way the outside looks and the, the way you can tell with the camera quality when it's a studio set or when it's an actual location. And I just feel it's a bit location. It looks too much like a location. Yeah. Because well, when they go outside, it looks like it seems quite well, the, the quality. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, Pippa thinks Patrick should leave his, his walking until later. I think he's going out for a walk. Is he going to go to the walk-in clinic? Not clinic, yeah. uh, accident emergency, or just to get the call out so it's still in there. So, uh, how do you think they're going to get it out? Well, I imagine they'll just give me eight pints of Tizer and tell everyone to stand well back. <laughs> That's a great retort, isn't it, from from yeah. so, sar- so sarcastic. I, I, I did put Patrick Trenches going out with a bit of a bang here. All the witty remarks and sardonic tone in, in general, left, right and centre, just all at once. I think he's trying to find an umbrella. Uh, he's looking in the downstairs cupboard. He sounds so much like Basil Fawlty in that moment. A tried and tested procedure and this sort of thing. Why is it we don't have any umbrellas any longer? Like Basil Fawlty can't find any pens. Like, where are the pens? Like in this scene, it's like, well, I mean, where is where are the umbrellas or something like that? And yeah, it just just remind me of Basil Voice so much. Yeah, I think for once though, this injury of Patrick is not an any it's not a direct result of any kind of Victor Meldrew cock up at all. It's not it's his it's, fault, it's, really. Yeah, it is solely his fault. But then yeah. he, he he and his brothers have driven Pippa to to drink in this um this booze, so sort of indirectly his fault at the very least, because of if Pippa wasn't so stressed, she wouldn't have brought that um, bottle of red. No. Therefore, he would never sit on a cork. But they... And I love when she said, you know, says, we don't seem to have umbrellas here. And she says, well, because you leave them at restaurants all the time. That's a very Victor. That's a real yeah. jive that you see in marriages. You know, it's like, well, you leave, you do this and you do that. That's why if you didn't do this, then you'd have this now. Pippa thinks because he can't find his own umbrella, you know, use the lavender one in the kitchen. He's obviously not very keen, but when he hears the thunder and, and rain rain outside, he thinks, oh, I haven't got any choice. So all, all delicately painting um, a scene that is going to happen just to perfectly confuse Victor. Well, not even confuse him, just Victor will see what he see, what he will see because he's told a certain thing. We are in, sort of in the residential area outside the trenches. Patrick's seen from afar by Victor at this stage. As far as he's concerned, looking for the identical twin of Patrick Trent, who is yeah. gay. Well, and what do we see? Patrick walking down the roadside, sporting that lavender flowery umbrella, stereotypically walking, like, you know, in a camp fashion. But it's uh, like he's, 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 he's obviously, I mean, this is, this is a moment you'd get a taxi, wouldn't you? If you've had, if you've got a corkscrew course you would. up your yeah. backside. I mean, actually saying that, you wouldn't want to sit down to make it worse. But then again, the way he's sitting, it's like, it's a bit like, you know, when you have um, a ramrod up your back, mm. if you've got like back problems. Yeah. You have got to walk in a very kind of stilted way. 
to probably avoid any more injuries. And but it's the way he's it's the way the hand with the other hand that he's not holding onto the umbrella. He's just kind of like got the hand out. It's it's and the music as well. It just it just builds this up so perfectly. And the rain it, it's really amusing. Yeah, all the boxes are ticked for the stereotypes they're painting. I mean, there's not really something that would get away with now. Um, but I just do love how Victor Meldrew he. <laughs> It's just how he sort of, he's so convinced that he's not speaking to Patrick. Excuse me, uh, we've never met before. Uh, my name's Victor Meldrew. Uh, I'm a friend of your sister-in-law's. Uh, and I think she might have, um, well, anyway, um, this is yours, I think, so. Uh... And, and the way that Patrick's like, just, just, just so gormless and shocked that for, he just thinks he's lost the plot. That Victor Melter has totally lost the plot. But he, he, Patrick always looks at Victor like this, though, doesn't he? When something yeah. peculiar is going on. So it's, it's not even, even that's not recognizable to Victor. And that's but the last it, time we are on screen together. That's the, is that the last time we see Angus Deaton? No, that's, that's just not Angus Deaton, but the way, but Victor Wilson and Angus Deaton interacting on screen together. In the same, okay, yeah. Well, so I think it's quite a good way to go out. <laughs> do you know that what this, the scene reminisces Monday morning will be fine? Um, oh, yeah. Do you know when is it Billy? Billy and Meg, uh, Richard Davis is a character. He recognizes Victor as um, Steve Posnet. Yeah. So yeah. the way he talks to him like he's not Victor is just reminds me how Victor talks to Patrick and, and not realizing it is actually Patrick. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's not like it, it doesn't feel like Renwick's repeating in a negative way a joke or an idea because it's done. It the, the setup's different. Yeah. The build-up's very different, and the yeah. payoff is is in a different setting different circumstances and and yeah it's really funny is that uh incidental music that that goes really well with the comedy is you know ed, i think if it's ed welch stuff it's just works perfectly uh, but yeah he's lost for words it's patrick and uh, that scene ends well at nick sweeney's house he sat in his armchair in his new house watching this footage that margaret's recorded for him with the skip overman he's looking quite concerned a bit disheartened and this is not a look we've ever seen Mr. Swain before. Maybe we actually have in oh was it um oh, oh in the external angel when he finds out about the, the, the woman that he likes. There's being... that there's that there's that and there's another much earlier series the name escapes me. Oh who will buy when... who will yes, buy when the when old man ends. gets murdered. Yeah Jimmy Jules character yeah. when he um God why can't forget his name Alf no anyway there's, there's not many times you've seen Nick Swainy looking like this. And, uh, no. and you're but thinking... Well, the music's sad as well. The music's very kind of melancholy. For some reason, even though, you know, it wouldn't make any sense, that I used to think that he looked concerned and a little bit sad because he was actually someone he knew, like he knew, like it was a relative that he hadn't seen. But, of course, if, if Margaret's saying something like that, he'd go, oh, yeah, that's my brother I never see. But, of course, yeah, he's just thinking... This is what I could have done. I could have done something um, in life with a bit more action. And, and you know, he doesn't really, he, he sort of downplays his achievements, I suppose, in his head. And yeah. He's, um, he's reminded, but, you know, he's just reminded of uh, what he could have done. Not necessarily, you know, report on a, on a, in a war zone in, in no man's land, but I suppose he's just reminded, I'm, I suppose, someone who's lived with their mum all their life just work for various charities and not he doesn't think he's accomplished much but of course he's not he's wrong but yeah it's quite quite sad isn't it 
yeah he's he's playing he's and and as i say it kind of fits together the the humor we've just seen with the scene with patrick and victor and the kind of amusing incidental music to fit that scene and then moving back to mr swaney it, it's yeah. um and the way the the way his room looks and the way they've kind of um shot the scene it looks like he's in a box it looks like he's in a really closed space i find i suspect i suspect the um they didn't have the budget to like do a whole massive living room so just Makes do sense. something up close yeah and I, I suspect that there was no studio audience live it was just let's just quickly film this one and uh put it on yeah. the screen uh, margaret and mr swain are hosting drinks and chatter with these prospective buyers and they they, they they do appear quite rough and ready sort of council house estate vibes if we're if i'm not being rude there in again in the stereotypical sense margaret does want this to end quite early she finds a get out clause and needing to get to the tip and, and yeah. even convinces Mr. Swaney, um, you know, Mr. Innocence to go along with it. Margaret's ever, ever manifesting these white lies and she just to get out of things like weddings and, you know, with Meg and Billy or meals out, you know, Ronnie and, cousin Will, Ronnie and Mildred. Yeah. Yeah. When we hear Victor's arrive back home, so it calls out a high volume that he didn't want to arrive home too soon in case he emphasizes the word of it, that he comes around with that, Ruddy, which obviously Margaret interrupts him in a panic, points out, yeah, Mr. Mr. Gleason are here. Yeah, he goes upstairs and he can see around the corner and think, oh, God. Smoking, aren't they? Yeah, I love the visual of the the, the two on the sofa. Yeah. And they say they're smoking and then Victor's with the door open in the background, just like, you know, gets shaking and worried and then just runs upstairs. Yeah, he's like, how am I going to get out of this? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Can't believe they're smoking in the house, but there you go. Yeah. It's a bit of a... Mission type music playing as Victor does rush upstairs, and a little bit later we do see an up close angle shot of the Gleasons and Mr. Gleason giving Victor some advice on how to handle a pit bull, yeah. and then cut to Victor sporting like a white beard. It does age him. It, it also, I think it does sort of suit him, but it does make him look like a quite convincingly like a different person in, in, entirely. Uh, oh, it does. It, I mean, and of course, it, it's, it's the beard, of course, that he won in the raffle, so it, it does come in. It works. Swamp. It works. That whole as does the swamp. Yeah, yeah. Mister Gleason says, like, oh, you know, don't let him know you're fighting. That's the worst thing to do with a pit bull. So you know they've got an, a, a pet pit bull that's going to come and that's going to terrorize everyone. He killed the swan and brought it back to the house. God, he used a bit of psychology. I'm thinking, what <laughs> on earth? Do you, what psychology do you use with that dog? My oh, goodness. Oh God. Yeah, it's all <laughs> it's all well rounded off, isn't it? It's, it? It all yeah links perfectly well everything we've seen so Victor does manage to persuade them to leave you know he's got all this heavy traffic you know this time of uh this day and it seems like he's got away with it but obviously if they did buy the house you'd have to sport that beard forever but I suppose you'd have a word with Nick and say look can you not sell to these two because they're psychos well he is anyway yeah so um yeah they're very grateful for the beers and uh, they leave before Victor can catch a breath the door's kicked in uh, Mr. Mr. Gleason glances at the photos of Victor and, and rips off his beard, and so it's like a drum jungle drumming music kicks in again. And poor old Victor. So you like the taste of worms, yeah? And uh, poor old Victor, it's just so horrible. I mean, that Mr. Gleason, he must have glanced at a photo just before he left, as well as when he came back in. But yeah, yeah. and then it just clicked like yeah. two seconds later, and then just stormed back in. It's frightening, actually. And it, it, but it is quite a funny bit of bit of physical comedy. When you yeah. go to the bit, when you just see um, Mr. Swain and Margaret in the car, and in the in the back of window, there's just a bit of 
like a silent movie almost like silent movie violence but you see mrs gleason's trying to hold him off so she knows what he's like don't know why she'd stay with him but you know she knows what he's like and is trying to pull him back well i mean yeah this scene has to be one of the most poignant and most poignant and teary moments in the entire show and a whole different side to nick swaney we've not really seen before like we have touched upon the times he's looked concerned or sad but he is quite dejected and downbeat in this scene it it does turn out that they did actually go to the tip because obviously i thought there was just an excuse but that's why margaret's in the car with him like you say Mm. in the background you've got victor being attacked (laughs) and um almost like buried almost a bit like pitting the pendulum trying to like daniel peacock's character kazanzi just trying to get buried underground but in the foreground, we've got this serious conversation going on. It's ever since I gave you that tape to watch. That man, he wasn't anyone you... He wasn't a relative or anything. Oh, no, 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 no. It's just a bit of a shock to the system, something like that. As if, I don't know, someone was taunting me with a glimpse of the man I should have been. It's hard to imagine Skip Hoberman living at home with his mother for 40 years running Tom Bowlers. Like an overgrown boy scout. It's probably the last time I can think of in the last 20 years that a studio-based sitcom has had such a touching scene. Because you know... I think the fact that we know that what what's really going on, Mr. Swain's sort of, he's just looking back on his life and and probably because he's now free of his mother, and I say that in the nicest possible way, because he's not looking after her anymore, he's on his own probably for the first time ever. You know, he's probably reached, he's reaching an age and, you know, questioning everything he's done. And I like how Margaret sort of tries to make him see sense. And then mm. it that line though, that when he says, you know, I've certainly wheeled a lot of old ladies around, Mrs. Meldrew, but who's going to wheel me about? That is that just it's that killer. Like, Absolute oof, killer that line, punch. isn't it? That that just gets you right in the guts, I think. And uh yeah, yeah I mean it's it's the genius of that like it's like tragic conversation with that comedic um slapstick fight in the background. And it, Vic, it's just a way. I did like love how Victor tries to run inside, but he get he, Mr. Gleason catches up with him. But yeah, I mean, this is a massive moment for Mr. Swain in the series. He's really, really is reflecting on what's gone on in his life. And yeah, like you said, who's going to wheel me about? Oh God, yeah. I mean, a lot of people out there will sadly think that if they if they live on their own and they've always helped people in the community, who's going to help? Who's going to help me out? Sort of thing, you know. Margaret sort of she's recognised he's been in this type of mood today and it is she does rec- again recognize that is to do this tape that she's got him to watch and and uh she asked if this this skip hoberman was anyone he knew or was related to and um he has shocked mr swaney it's, it is an interesting side view of nick side view like a, an angle view should i say felt he said it felt like someone was taunting him and it is like a glimpse of the man he should have been sadly comparing his life to skip hoberman we find it hard to imagine you know he would live at home with his would he live with his mum for 40 years, you know, running tombolas, etc.? Life isn't just about ambition, Mr. Sweeney. Just earning the respect of others as a decent and gentle human being is enough for anyone to be proud of. Oh, yeah. 
I've certainly wheeled a lot of old ladies about, Mrs. Meldrew. But who's going to wheel me about? And when he summarises his worth as like an overgrown Boy Scout, it's it is sad. It is sad. And uh, what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, I think well, there's two things I, 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 that's significant about this scene. Well, firstly, there was a documentary on um, during the 2016 BBC sitcom season about the history of comedy, yeah. British comedy, and there was a section on One from the Grave. But when they explained how the show tackled dark subjects and had moments of pathos, they used this scene as an example, which I thought was right. really interesting. But I think the other thing I, I, I love about this moment and just about the show in general Renwick and Marshall what they're both really good at is giving these recurring characters so much depth and moments of pathos and and moments to really have heartfelt pieces of acting you know in in another sitcom Mr Swaney would just be the kind of neighbour who lives with his mother bit weird maybe a bit Norman Bates and that's kind of it but in this series he has depth you see Mm. she dies and then actually he's now questioning everything and it is gut-wrenching when he says uh, the way he talks he, he just has such a low opinion of himself and Ma- and margaret loves him i i always see them him really as um their sort of good son because obviously they lost their son yeah that's true she says she's very motherly and um exterminating angel yes because she she's is. trying to she's trying to like play cupid almost trying to get him matched up with that tanya yeah and she's so gutted when it doesn't work out yeah, she she does she does mother him. I think you're right. Yeah. And the other thing I, I it gives me a bit of comfort for the end of the series. Yeah. Is that at least Mrs. Swainey's with her when oh is is, is the neighbour when Victor dies. Yeah. Because I was thinking, you know, when he says I've wheeled a lot of old ladies around. Now maybe this is me just re- reading way too deeply into this, but it's but you know, I imagine after okay, we don't see him in the next episode, no. but in the world of the one from the grave, he would be a real source of comfort and they would probably yeah. go away together. And and actually I can see a really nice friendship blossoming. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, age is only a number and all that, but there's slightly too much of a gap for them to have maybe been a natural couple. But how old, I, how old, I mean, Margaret's about late 60s here and Mr. Swain is sort of mid 40s. And it's not impossible, but when Victor's gone, you don't know in a few years, they might have just made his mate. May as well be. There is a quite a big um, gap in there, but it's it's so sad and so dark. I mean, this is what makes this comedy stand out from the rest. This oh, this God, is yeah. this is the level we're at with this show. A phrase you know used several times, but comedy and tragedy are going hand in hand in this very scene, and we are so there for Nick and Margaret is looking on, taking in what this poor man is trying to say because she's tried to remain positive for him but when he says things like overgrown boy scout and who's gonna wheel me about she doesn't really know what to come back with but she does eventually i mean talking about his life being a failure he's he's devoted he's devoted it to like wishy-washy type things like charity events trips out with old ladies you know living at home with his mum to care for which by the way these are truly wonderful things that anyone could wish to do in life i might add it yeah, it, it might not be touring the Southeast Asia or lapping up with models or playing in a band, but he has these other qualities that up until now has convinced us that he's been happy and content all his life. Just because he's seen someone who looks like him do something a little bit different or quite a lot different. He's thinking, is that what I should have done? 
So he's obviously questioning his uh, his um, purpose at this point. But Margaret sums it up perfectly. You know, life isn't just about ambition. Just earning respect of others as a decent and gentle human being. That, yeah. That's enough, and that's what he's done. Yeah, it's uh, it's like, like like in the real world, outside of this fictional show, there are millions of people in, with this sort of predicament in life at different stages as well. Like, do I change what I do entirely and gamble my happiness, or do I stay and do what I do and be comfortable? Um, but yeah, Margaret does a sterling job in saying the right things and like trying to downplay life not just being about ambition yeah just, like you said earning the respect of others decent and gentle human being is enough for anyone to be proud of and and nick does like he does laugh that off and he says he's yeah that's when he says the gut busting line you know he's going to push me about it's a beautiful mm. scene and most of these scenes are all about how it's sort of decorated with the sad music and the that's incredible acting and this is probably why renwick and and chris gurnan wanted to put this forward for a, a bafta for this scene alone, I'd have thought, but Margaret's face drops when he when he when he says that line about who's going to push me about. She's run out of things to say, I think, at that point. She's about to speak, though. She's like, she goes, crash, and then it's just and and, and I love the way she just says, Victor, just how I don't know how have I personally forgotten at this point that victor's being attacked i know, you know I mean? that's the thing it, it's it's so it, the way that they can draw you in to the comedy to the pathos and then back to the comedy is just so so beautifully edited actually because they filmed yeah. it well but the editing with the music and the the cut of the music is, oh, it is a masterpiece really is. yeah yeah but um when you see victor being pushed out the window um, Nick Sweeney barely responds to that. By the way, I looked. I watched the scene a few times. He doesn't really react to Margaret's. Nick Sweeney is so deep in thought that he doesn't really look around straight away. No, and uh, I'm sure that. that's definitely a stunt man, isn't it? Playing Victor, it just doesn't quite look like Richard Wilson. His face um, is just a bit too out of the shot, isn't it? As I record this, you know, as some of you know, I, w- I went to Tresillian Way, and where they're parked, are pretty much part where. Yeah, where Mr. Sweeney is, Mr. Mr. Mrs. Mrs. Park, where Nick and Margaret are parked, and I was just a little bit dumbfounded because everything on the TV seems a lot bigger, but it's so close. It's so it's only about ten yards in front of the house, or a bit more than that, maybe fifteen yards. Bear in mind, they'd have to put a, a fake window in for it to be smashed through. So yeah, great scene. That, that's definitely one of the the greatest all-round scenes of the show for me. That's in the top three moments, probably. I couldn't tell you the other two of my favourite moments, but I already know that's in the top three. Fantastic. So I think we dwelled on that scene long enough, but that was probably, and I'm sure you thought the same, that's the one scene I was looking forward to to, to, to discussing. Oh, I, 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 I remember when I'm watching this for the first time, because I watched it at an age when I was able to kind of enjoy the genius of it, as, mm. well, as, the, as well as the show is, as, a, as a TV show. It, it, you were so you become so invested with these characters, yeah. and then to be leaving them, and yeah. and and on in very different sort of circumstances. But we'll get to that a bit a bit later on. What might yeah. on the whole final series? Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. You just get just sometimes you forget what's happening in them. Um, what the great like something's like I think was it descent into the maelstrom where that's where Margaret's feeling quite unwell and and her goddaughter comes back with a baby who she's pinched the baby but in that episode mr sweeney has done this back in trying to fix their tap yeah and 
you, you forget he's there until Victor comes down in the middle of the night to switch on the light to get a drink yeah. of water. Oh, sorry, did I wake you? And uh, yeah, in that time, there's been quite a few scenes that have been played out and you just forget he's there. But that's because you think trust, they won't address it again. So in yeah. this in this fairly short scene, almost forgotten that Victor's been attacked. But yeah, a 10 out of 10 sitcom can pull you away from what's happening in a show, I think. And you can forget yeah. what's happened moments ago if, if, if the mood's been interrupted. So in the male's delivery room, Victor's head is covered in plasters and Margaret's in the dining area of the living room asking if, if recent events will go into the lecture at the Women's Institute and uh, asks if Victor's got rid of the video. She's still suffering with a bit of PTSD over it by the looks of it. She, she wonders why American police policemen is so exciting. She means like that's the sort of type of thing in lots of porn. I think she's what she's why is why is that the theme? I think she she means but the the the, the mention of policemen makes Margaret recall the events leading up to a bit of buying the video. Yesterday afternoon, when you bought that stuff from Dodgy Douglas, yes, he said he had some nice popcorn out the back if you fancied it. Yes. <laughs> And you said, go! God, Victor! What? What have I done now? That tape didn't come out of Pippa's bag in there at all. It must have fallen out of yours. How could it come out of my bag? Because when you came out of that shop yesterday afternoon, you came out with a video of cop porn. (laughs) As if that wasn't bad enough, we've just it over to what are they going to think don't you notice she says there must be a combination of that kind of thing and cop policeman cop. yeah yeah so and, she's, and, she's and she's suddenly in the dots. yeah yeah that is really amazing because it's it's one of those where you know when words are spelled but if you if you pronounce the word backwards it spells another you say another genuine so like dog is backwards for god like an anagram an anagram yeah yeah and you're just like huh you realize it's when someone points certain things out it's like wow cop porn is one of those (laughs) things that gets referenced or quoted a lot cop porn so you know dodgy douglas didn't swindle him out of anything or chisel him out of popcorn he just it was a misunderstanding as ever uh, Victor hasn't really caught on. Margaret reveals that tape must have fallen out of your bag. Because I was caught, you know, when he came in that scene, he dropped a load of stuff. So it yeah. makes sense. And uh, oh, it's just the, the the horror on their faces when they realized that they obviously handed that video to um, Patrick's brother. It's nothing to do with them. That's added to their list of stresses. Yeah, she just she has a way of just 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 going red in the face when she it, oh oh I've said wonderful. it so many times Annette Crosby's um, growling is just as funny as Victor's rants all day long I love yeah. it yeah it's brilliant we're at Patrick and Pippa's now and uh, Patrick's on his laptop Pippa's about to leave I think she's taking a look she's taking the mick a bit and she she I'm not going to come back and find a marmite lid up your backside on my. <laughs> It's, he's uh, never gonna live it down is he he's stop. never gonna live that down patrick answers the uh the phone and it's clearly victor wants to retrieve this video pat patrick cruelly lies to victor so he's donated it to um to hospital collecting items for a children's annex has he done this before where he was trying to seal a contract with an asian yes. businessman and he lied to victor saying he, 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 he buggered it up for him basically but he didn't so, really. was it man who blew away yeah, I think it was. 
and Pippa comes and goes, you, you've t- lied to him, haven't you? He goes, yes. yes he just does yeah. that, that way of just going, being so sly. Very sly. Um, and I like it when he when he says about after the, how the um, it, he donated to the hospital, he went, what was that, Mr. George? You sound like you've had a pulmon- you're having a pulmonary embo- embolism. <laughs> Patrick's clever to not let on to Vic that he knows the content of the, vid- of, of the video. He's only glanced the title and he thinks it's about Canadian mount- Mounties. Mounties, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Canadian Mounties. Quite clever from Patrick because he has been to hospital and I think he has seen that there is some sort of donation raffle going on. So it's, I think it's believable for Victor to, to know that Patrick has donated this video set to a hospital because, of course, he's had to go to hospital for the cork up his backside. Yeah. Pippa and, and Margaret would have discussed that incident. So Laughed Victor about knows it he's well. def, definitely, yeah, definitely gone to the hospital. Very yeah. horrific. It sounds, it does sound like Victor's having a bit of a panic attack and cancels the call. And uh, Patrick rather calmly retrieves the video from the chair and says, uh, This one here containing hardcore gay pornography. <laughs> Quite what compelled him to give it to me in the first place will almost certainly never be known. But it is, I fear, a deranged act which cannot go unpunished. So he, he, he's just being a little bit of a sod, isn't he? I mean, it's an accident. It's, such, it's just a mistake. But it's such a difficult one for Victor to explain, isn't it? It's just, yeah. it's just quicker just to get the video back. But, and it yeah. is one of those where when you explain it, it's, it, you could explain it in full and you could have an absolute laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is genuinely funny. And it's so realistic in the way that it's, it's a load of misunderstandings that have just culminated into this storm of, of frenzy. And it's funny. As ever, if there's only a bit of dialogue between the two, then these misdemeanors wouldn't happen. Yes. Then we wouldn't have a great comedy, of course. No. We cut to... the to Victor sort of ending the call. Margaret's still quite panicked. And yeah, they learn the tape is at the hospital donation skip. Victor, Margaret and Victor agree it cannot stay there. Something has to be done. Very short scene. Very concerned by now. See this globe that was purchased for Patrick from Nigel. I think it's been replaced now. And Patrick's yeah. whistling is in a good mood, which does concern yeah. Pippa when he's in a good mood. Why is it whenever you're in a good mood, I break house in a cold sweat? That's such a Margaret line as well. It's, it also uh, transpires that he's reading the local newspaper and there's a headline, Angling for Trouble. Police were called to the accident and emergency wing of the Charteris General on Friday night to investigate reports of a madman on the hospital roof. <laughs> the man, believed to be in his 60s, was discovered squatting near a hole in a glass skylight where he appeared to be fishing into a box of toys. <laughs> As the officers watched, he proceeded to reel in a succession of video cassettes, each of which he unhooked, glanced at, and then threw back again. <laughs> the man who was later escorted off the premises, screaming incoherently about popcorn, was subsequently identified as a Mr. etc. 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 So, I suppose you're on top of the world now. <laughs> How many times has Victor been caught? On a roof. I know in Endgame mm. he was on on a roof. I'm sure there's one another incident when he's on on someone's roof in such circumstances that aren't meant to be in a perverted way. But I can't. It might, he might not have done. I'm sure he has. I can't think of it. I, maybe he hasn't. But yeah, it's just great. It's great to hear what's happened through, you know, by way of um, an article in a newspaper, and that the police have been called out, and a man squatting on the ceiling, fishing into a box of toys. Just yeah, it's great. Newspaper articles are hilarious in One from the Grave. Whenever they're read out, they're just so absurd. Love it. But then again, isn't that local news for the papers, though? They, they, they haven't got much in the way of big crime and big stories to sell, so they just come up with anything. Well, that's what it's like. Certainly in the West Country, there's, there's 
you know, little villages release free newspapers and rely on advertising. And they're just, they're just some of the story, some of the articles are just not exactly trivial. They're they yeah. quite amusing. I'm quite sure there's, I think there's a podcast by Joe Wilkinson, David Earl, and someone else. I think it's um, Gossip Mongers. I don't know if you downloaded that and they read out local gossip in newspapers, local newspapers. All people that all local gossip people send in from their community, and it's yeah, hilarious to download it. It's very good. I'm gonna just kind of say one last thing for you, yeah, sure, of course, you can. Yeah, yeah. I've never liked Patrick. I mean, he's a great character, yeah, I know what you mean. He's played well, but I, I, I just feel, and I, and I know when people have been speaking about him on the podcast, I just find the way people talk about Victor all the time and the way that he behaves is sometimes irrational sometimes he's very he just you know sticks his foot in it but yeah. with patrick i feel he's more of a snob i think he's more um sly mm. and even at times i have to say i think pippa i think pippa's more understanding i think yeah. she's actually much she's more kind of laid back than margaret is i'd say in certain ways margaret is more fiery and pippa's a little bit more she has moments of anger but she's a bit more calm but like for example in that moment wouldn't she have called margaret because they're quite close friends to say patrick's being a dick yeah you'd like to think yeah you'd like to think wouldn't you um yeah yeah, i agree he's not entirely he's not supposed to be likable i suppose Victor's likable in pretty much every way, but yeah, he's he's irritating and uh, well, he, he, and Victor's good to him because, like in in Wisdom of the Witch, he says he doesn't let Victor into the bathroom because he's got arachnophobia. If I remember that correctly, yeah. And the man in the long black coat. There's the tragedy of uh, Patrick and Pippa's unborn child. Yeah, and you know Victor was there for him, taking him to the hospital, being with him. Yeah, he's got a bit of a short um, memory as Patrick. I know there's lots of incidents of uh any things like selling their house difficult or any work that comes along his way but there's lots of opportunities that come patrick's way which are almost scuppered because of unintentionally by victor and he just holds him to account for it, i suppose but yeah i mean right then that scene pippa is she's a bit she's she's a bit annoyed with patrick for playing silly buggers and she like breaks up some polystyrene which i think is what the globe came in because it the, the scene fades straight into the Meldrews up close with Margaret, I think, breaking polystyrene or no, Victor breaking the polystyrene. And it's like, a, again, like one great little gag, huge box, loads of polystyrene, plastic wrapping, all for a, a replacement calculator. But isn't that still relevant now? When you possibly, get something, yeah, I, I got what did I get recently? Oh, I can't even remember what it was, and it was something really not that big, and the packaging it came in was enormous. Another, um observation i like is in i know it's in the last episode but it's not a spoiler he's when victor's going out and he says i've got one hour till i go out and that gives me enough time to break into these packet of video tapes. Oh, we, i can't believe we forgot to reference that yeah it's because, it, that was a, a genuine yeah. challenge wasn't it well 2.4 children had that from a 94 episode i recorded okay. last week but the thing i also like you going back to product placement earlier and and memories you know people think I was born I think still think I'm 16 they don't realize that I actually did remember videos I remember tapes I remember having to tape things and I remember the packaging it came in and this scene that Victor's um getting these plastic things out yeah it's the packaging I grew up with I actually remember the packaging and it's just so it's like a Proustian moment so nice yeah yeah I I too remember 
very much, you know, all, all the way through the, even I can remember being three or four, so right at the end of the 80s into the 90s, definitely recording, you going on your holidays, setting the 14-day the timer. Um, it's all part of the fun. It, rarely would it work out. But they, 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 I mean, I don't, we're a certain generation of person at that time of life sending off things like calculators to be re- replaced, repaired, <laughs> sorry. They yeah. obviously, I'm sure there they were, but yeah, a great little dig at these uh, an, in, uh, unnecessary huge packaging boxes with tiny items inside. But what, I mean, what a great line this comes up now. I've just been talking to Mr. Swaney out there. He's in a good mood. Apparently that Skip Hoberman has just been blown up by a landmine. <laughs> He's taking it as a sign. You're better off not trying to be a hero. Not really in character for Nick Swaney to find, but he wouldn't laugh at someone else's death, but I think it's obviously making him feel like, well, life's too short even for him, and he's not here now, and I can continue as I were. So I understand the sentiment, of course. It's, it's, I love the, um, the way in this show where they have the most sort of grotesque deaths or the grotesque lines and they yeah. just say in the matter of fact way it's a bit yeah. like in um, cousin ursula when she says that oh you know she died with um while making a tea and she got struck by lightning while watching telly alex and there was a the the, the, the uh, scotch egg was on her head frying <laughs> just the way they say it, and i think mr um uh, mr swaney mentions about someone else who's died in really grotesque in, ways in the tent oh course. oh yes from the um balloon and they fall into the ground during a right? tennis match yeah it gets tangled yeah. in the net during a um a break point or something yeah great it's so matter of fact but if you're gonna in a comedy talk about how someone's died it's got to be um i keep using the word absurd today i can't think of anything else in my vocabulary but it's got to be unrealistic and ridiculous to to be funny Um, dry and dry yeah definitely dry i just like the way that he sees it as a sign you're better off not trying to be a hero it's a bit like in endgame when um victor's sees the time in the dream and Margaret says I've got to go not yet and that's when she has the heart attack there's a lot of spiritual ideas of of things happening for a reason or signs yeah. or meanings and I I really admire well I'm I like I'm intrigued tested in things like that and I'm really fat I'm intrigued when they bring yeah. that into a mainstream show I know that there was talk about you know Mr Swaney being happy that Skip Hoveman's dead there's more to his sorrowfulness than not have an exciting job because he was I think he was talking about social life no life partner etc so I'm sure he'd still be a little bit down that I'm still a single man without someone with me so I don't think he'd be that that happy but he, he can move on from the fact that Skip Hoveman's dead but it does bemoan the, the needless use of this polystyrene um, and he says oh my proof that we're descended from apes and begins to make a mess of it much to Margaret's annoyance and Sends him around the in, at the back garden. She's done that before, actually, when he's making the the, the teddy bear in um, a previous series. Go outside, and make that mess. Here we are again. And, uh, he mentions a cousin Ivor asking him when when to give his talk. So they're still writing letters to each other. This generation, which I really like, and he he reads the letter to himself. Obviously, we don't hear it, but the letter basically slags off Victor, saying they never meant to actually request that he hosts this WI. And that it wouldn't go down well, and, and people would have to, to be paid to, to come, which was quite cruel. That's really cruel. I think. I think. He, I think. For all that, that people think that victims, kind of, a nightmare. I think they treat him just. Even yeah, it's pretty nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So he goes outside, and um, 
I think so. he chucks his memoirs away, which is sad. A bit like um, when he rips up his script in Dramatic Fever, he just gives up, doesn't he? And uh, it's, it's a very random ending, but it's in line with what he said about Descending from Apes, because the theme tune to 2001 and Space Odyssey sort of yeah. kicks in at that point, and he's slow motion smashing the uh, polystyrene up like the apes do in, in that yeah. in the scene, if you've seen 2001 and Space Odyssey. And no end credits like we'd usually have. We have the end credits, but not Eric Idle. That ends that episode. That was, by the way, not in the middle. That wasn't a Tristanian way, that garden scene. That was in a totally different... Um, I think that was just... That was it on a set, I think. I noticed studio. that. I thought the background looked like it was a, a set, like a like a painted scenery. Yeah, I know Renwick said he was really pleased with how Richard Wilson went about smashing at the polystyrene. He said it was just worked perfectly. Yeah, it's a nice little... Um, Obviously, 2001 A Space Odyssey is probably a film that Renwick admires. Stanley Kubrick, isn't it? Yeah. So, I yeah, think... it's an unusual ending. Some of these endings are unusual. It's, it's not really a... Storylines storylines and gags are well-rounded off, but sometimes the ending is just a little bit out of a bit of left field, like not really in line with anything they've really been talking about or come across. It's just that. It's just a bit of a strange one. When you're a kid, before, you watch, before I watched 2001, Think, what is this about? I don't it's understand. About, yeah. I know yeah. what you mean. I was the same before I saw the film. I but I think knowing it now, the con not just the context of 2001, but just the ending, I think because it's the second to last episode, yeah. it almost feels like well, the whole I think this final series, it feels like it's leading to something in a in a very kind of su- subtle way. It's not kind of there's nothing happening that's really overt, but there's lots of little bits and bobs. It feel, it's a really great way of bringing close all the characters' ending. So just to, like, Mr. Swaney, the last scene we see of him is in the car. You know, this when Margaret mentions that about the, the guy whose chip um, shoulder has been blown up. We don't see um, Mr. Swaney's reaction, but it makes sense he's kind of in that state. Mrs. Mm. Warboy's in the state with the infutility of the fly when she's just kind of turning into a, a really batty old woman. Patrick and Pippa are going to just carry on. Obviously, Mildred's committed suicide. It just feels like it's all the things are tied up, mm. not in a nice kind of bow. Not it's it's some of it's quite ambiguous, or some of it's a bit more open to just they're going to carry on their life. But Victor's kind of created because that scene in in two thousand one's all about interpreting ways of oh it's like the dawn of man like the dawn of man almost, and then he's actually it's his end. It could be interpreted yeah. that way. Well, this is the like this is the last time we see Victor alive in mm. the quote-unquote present moment because, of course, things aren't simple anymore. It opens up with an absolute shocker that he's actually dead. So yes. that's not a spoiler because anyone listening to this has watched One from the Grave thousands of times. But this is the last... And the, the way the Dawn of Man scene, when he's in the garden, the way the, what I see is him smashing up polystyrene pieces with, with absolute angst and frustration because like, he's taken out what his life about just it never quite works out for me things happen um i'll get myself into trouble and i think it's just a bit it's quite therapeutic for victor i think to smash up the polystyrene blocks mm. but a couple of notes you know supposedly apparently you can see a boom mic in the um scene in the uh happy shopper scene right in the left hand corner that. definitely couldn't see it i definitely could not see that, yeah. see that. it doesn't matter anyway i've seen Boom mics pop up so many times in comedies over the years, especially in like Fawlty Towers and Dad's Army, where I'm not quite in the right position. Oh, 2.4 Children had one where there was a back, it was like the, the, the garden 
in the living room the doors open and there's a there's not just a boom there's like a stand with there's a like a light stand in the background it's so oh, really? obvious it's quite funny yeah david renwick says dawn of man was his favorite of the series Seriously? so this is his personal favorite yeah i think yeah either of series six of the whole thing i think he probably means series six and like i said nominated for a bafta and uh daily the daily express had caught wind after this episode had aired, how Victor dies and by who, which absolutely pissed Renwick off, something chronic, which you would have seen in the or would have read in the book. Yeah, I'll tell you the one thing I do remember from childhood that links to, you know, if I was ten years old, it'd be so different. I remember the night Judith Keppel won the Millionaire Prize. Yeah, because uh, I watched Millionaire. Yeah, no, didn't, didn't follow it. Couldn't get involved with the questions, but I knew it. I was just Saturday night telly, so I now know the the sort of controversy about the scheduling and people. They thought there was some kind of well, they conspiracy. I, I, ITV totally deny that they were they planned that to have the winner coincidentally on the same night Victor's killed off. Yeah, um, I was I remember being gutted that they did that because I did. Yeah, I, I like what he wants to be in there, but there's no way I was going to watch that over. It's, it's like quite an um, important moment in comedy. It's, it's rare enough that I watch anything as it's aired. I, it's mm. quite nice to be, watch something as it's aired, like live. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, one more episode. Things aren't, things aren't simple anymore. A special guest on for that one uh, will be revealed. Uh, any final thoughts for Dawn of Man? I think it. I think it's a great last sort of hurrah before the final. I think mm. it just has a. I just think um, it really. What I think this episode. Why I think the episode is the best one is it shows that the sh- that one from the grave was still producing quality sitcom after ten years. I mean, it was obviously in, it wasn't on consistently over ten years, but you know, is series six the show that's best? No, but it's still miles better, more original than sitcoms yeah. of the time and of sitcoms now. Yeah. You know, it was still superior. And I think this episode is just, you know, it still packs a punch. It still has a moment that we both love with Mr. Swaney and Margaret. That's still one of the best scenes ever in the series. So yeah, just I just, I just think marvellous, marvellous. Yeah, I mean, without that Mr. Swaney and Margaret scene, this episode is nowhere near as strong. But Series 6 definitely said it throughout recording Series 6. It's no longer, for me, the weakest series of one foot. No, I think series, probably series in reality series one, but I think it's yeah, I think it's a bloody good yeah finale series. I I, I really enjoy watching. It. I th- I know Nikki, who's been on, says it's her favorite series. Series, series six is her favorite out of the lot. Um, Do you know what my favorite is? What's that? This might be a cop out answer for the Christmas specials because if you put them all together, yeah, they make quite a good range of stories because they're not all set at Christmas. No. Set in different times of the year, they're, they're feature length, but they are some brilliant ideas in their own story. You'd have a so. series, you'd have a series worth, wouldn't you? Because we've got you got to the man who blew away, who's listening, Starbound, Wisdom, Endgame, and then Algarve. So, yeah, so we've got uh, what was that five, six, six, six specials? Seven, yeah. yeah, and you've yeah. got a couple. Yeah. Have we got time for a Meldrew moan from you, JD? What would you like to whinge about? The floor oh, is God. yours. Okay, customer service, firstly. Um, I hate, and this is a victim bone, I hate when on um, when you know when you're calling a company and they say, um, 
you can find out the information online during parts pauses in the whole music. I'm thinking if I could find out online, I wouldn't be ringing you. Um, it's so annoying because you just want to be in that call queue, don't you? Rather than say, yes. did you know, you, know, you said go online, you can uh, find out X, Y, on the app. So just bloody put me in the call queue. Sorry, as you were. Yes. Uh, cyclists. Sorry. Cyclists. Okay. okay. Um, are we talking Jeremy Vine cyclists? Or are we talking uh, other types of cyclists? The bell thing can use oh. it. Just ding, use the bell. Get my way. Yeah. 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 Uh, people who fuck with the sheep. I like people who are, who like to think for themselves. Yeah. Uh, virtue signaling online. Don't get me started on that. Yeah. Um, education. I I look back and think school was a complete waste of time. Not no, that sounds really bad. I I think that you, I think school can should teach kids more about life skills and more about how, about job skills. Yeah. You, you know, if I think if I think if you know your daughter she's going to be going growing up in a very technical kind of minded time probably going to homeschool at this at this rate i just think you know there's so much more you know i realize i've learned more about the world actually living in it rather than something like things like budgeting why don't they yeah. just teach kids in maths yes you need to teach them about the times tables division and you know things but teach them about budgeting because you know that's how i think i think those those the algebra stuff should be optional should be optional if you if you know you're going to go into an area of work of statistics or yeah. financial um industry but yeah I, I, I totally agree i like i like your variation of meldry moans because we need one big fat massive meldry moan for the final episode i need to absolutely rant to, to, to have a thing so one quick one is um as you may know, as you know, I'm currently um, looking for a new job. I was made redundant recently because of administration. Yeah, that's, that's rubbish. The thing I would say is I'm, I'm what I'm noticing. Thankfully, obviously, with, I've had a few interviews and, and waiting to hear back mm. on them. The problem I'm finding at the moment is industries don't seem to want to take on people who haven't had it, haven't had two years before they're born experience in an industry. If you know what I mean, so you might yeah. have the skills, you might have worked in and done administration, but if you've not worked in a certain industry for two years, you can't really apply for it, and that's quite frustrating because I've worked in two different industries and I'm a quick learner. Yeah, I mean, I'll, to give you any kind of hope, I mean, I've just been offered a new job and accepted it, and it's something mm-hmm. I've I've done. The, the, the job I've accepted, I have actually done before, but not for about yeah. five years, and yeah. when I did do it, I struggled mainly with the people, not the, the processes. Mm. So I'm sort of gambling again, but I'm with a good employer. So I'm hoping it's, it'll work out. So yeah. they knew that I hadn't done this particular job for five years at least. So there is hope, but yeah. um, I, I hear what you're saying. Thank you. Meldry Moan over. Lovely. <laughs> well, guys, next week, final episode. It's not the final episode of One Point the Podcast. Of course, I'll do um, Visiting Uncle Dick, a comment release special. But I'm sure... I will be back with, well, actually, as again, I've just recorded my little One Foot in the Grave tour with Simon and Darren. That will come in two parts, which does include some interviews with the residents of Tresillian Way. So that's something to look forward to. And if I can get guests on, of course, I'm, I'm all over it. And I will. there's lots of people who have contacted me very kindly. They wanted to get involved. I had people booked in already. So perhaps those people can come on and we can talk about something one from the grave related by all means but yeah one one more sort of episode in its organic form by you know and one more episode to talk about bar the charity char- say charity the, the bar the comment release special and that'll be it congratulations so, 
thanks yeah I'm, I'm, what I'm, an amazing podcast you've created thank you very much i've determined to get the project finished before my second born arrives in october and then um i definitely won't be able to do podcasting for a few months but uh yeah and your podcast is strength to strength you just had you've had kim benson on you had yes. julia hill yeah Hills. Julia hills rona was on rona and i know you're working on others which i, I don't know if you if that's public knowledge so i'll, I'll shut there's, up there's um there's uh well let's just say I'm, I'm not hoping it's the only two i've had so far let's just say that so as ever you can email me one from the podcast at gmail.com i haven't received an email for a few um weeks so please get in touch keep me company That'd be lovely. Follow me at One Foot the Pod. I'm on all the social medias as ever. JD, can you give out your uh, handle handles? I'm sure there's more than one. There's quite a few. Thank you very much. So I'm on um, my 2.4 podcast page on Instagram and Twitter is the same username. It's at 2.4 podcast. Um, so my personal um, Instagram is at JD Collins Writer. And my Twitter handle is at jdcollins95. But you can also find our 2.4 Children Facebook page, which is 2.4 Children Streaming and DVD Campaign. Thank you very much for having me on, Tom. We spoke last August, so it's it's really exciting to have come on the show. I've loved it. Yeah, you've been a wonderful guest. And uh, I, I urge fans of 2.4 Children, who also love to in the Grave, download JD's podcast and rate and review that as well please that'd be really good so yeah JD take care and I will I'll be back next week with the final tearjerker episode things aren't simple anymore cheerio JD bye bye Tom thanks very much (laughs) 